Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations. We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Greetings and welcome back to another exciting installment of the fifth column podcast. This is your generally weekly, okay? And I, I know you have complaints, but listen, it's a global pandemic. We've been dealing with it. And you know what? We're humans, and it's been a, a challenging couple of weeks for us. So we did take some time. If you're a patron of this fine podcast, you've been getting some dispatches pretty regular. But if you're not, you, you know, we've been gone for a little while. And by we, I'm Camille Foster. My pronouns are he and him. Also, that nigga. Uh, that's what they say in the street. As in, yo, Camille is that nigga. I'm also a Scorpio. My sexual orientation is strong. And my sexual preference strong. is, yes, please. Yeah. And I should say that my sexual orientation is strong, but married. Like, oh. And I'm not suggesting that I'm not getting a sufficient amount because I'm married. I'm just saying that it's not about sex with you. And yeah. to the extent I feel that way, I wouldn't tell you. Because I'm married. Yeah. And I respect yeah, my yeah. wife and I respect our marriage. And I, I just don't want to step outside of the confines of that marriage. And I'm telling you a lot of personal information about myself. And it's because I feel, I don't know, I feel open. Perhaps the reason I feel open is because I'm joined in person mm. by Michael Moynihan. It's at Vice News. And we are sitting around a new table, not the stupid table. It's the his, same table. In his new place. Is this a, It's the same table. You know what? You move the table out of Brooklyn, it feels it like. It feels different. A totally different table. It feels smaller. Our, our comrade, Matt Welch, is not with us this evening. He was traveling. He had to be in L.A. for something. And I didn't know he was in town. And yeah. because we're a logistical nightmare and things have just been challenging. Again, I mentioned there's a global pandemic. He's, he's not with us. He's like watching Borat, literally. He's That's literally what he's doing. watching Borat Outside. on his patio. Yeah, on his patio. So if you know where he lives, if you go to <laughs> go one by. of those uh, celebrity house, uh, you can get the 3D view of Matt's yes. house. <laughs> Find where that is. Because there's, uh, there's actually no one left in New York anymore. No, so Matt lived, is he, the biggest celebrity in New York right. City right now. He lives right next to Steve Harvey, I think. <laughs> I don't know why, but they, I think they're neighbors. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't know how to follow that intro. Camille. Your intro was like pretty elaborate it was Thank very you. personal and Thank i'm just you. sitting here like man i don't know if i'm gonna say i just want that. people to know you know that i'm You're a real person married. i'm a real person yeah and, you know i have feelings and sexual preferences yeah which i i only <laughs> just discovered talk about i that. only just discovered that that is a problem why? That it's a bad idea to call them sexual preferences. Oh, that's right. Yeah. See, I this is the thing. We, yeah. We're not even planning to talk about this. No, Supreme this Court was not even on our, our agenda. No, but I'm, I know that I can make references like that on this podcast because yeah. the people who listen to this podcast pay a lot of attention yes. at the news cycle. Um, and we should, we should shoot, shoot the shit a little bit because I, I want to talk about We had dinner and we had a couple of, yeah. we had a couple of drinks. Yeah. Um, well, you had, you had one drink and you were about a quarter of the way through and you said, I'm drunk. I think I think I actually said I'm high and drunk yeah um, and not as a result of all of the crack that I was smoking and recording myself smoking crack no you definitely weren't hunter by store <laughs> stored on my laptop <laughs> yeah which is damaged by some liquid we don't actually know what no liquid you know there's Literally, a presumption this, that it's water but this, we don't know that I just when you're high on crack you no could, idea there's a lot of fluids involved no could be anything but by the way this that's the real question that's the real controversy just deleted from twitter <laughs> <laughs> we were just for mentioning the fact that you smoke crack in bed oh my god um, i see those photos all over twitter and they're not dude, banning people for sharing those i don't know i guess those photos could be deep fakes because Definitely not deep either this is totally legitimate and real or it is a Russian operation. I, but, you know, it's like, can you imagine that <laughs> meeting? 
in like Lubyanko and they're like, oh, we'll make uh, Hunter Biden smoke the crack in the bed. <laughs> do you know how to do this in the Photoshop? We have guys that do the crack in the bed. Oh so, my yeah, God. Yeah, smoking crack so we, we should talk a little bit about that. I don't know what it was though. Um, he's smoking weed. But I, I wanted to say that I'm, I'm here, I'm visiting Moynihan's new place, which yeah. he's, he's doing some renovation work on. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a mess. beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a mess. I really dig this. Yeah. I dig the space. The, the night sky here is yeah. amazing. Can we say where it is? Uh, yeah, sure, I guess. Okay, where is it again? Where it's are we? out in east. Of, I just know it's, it's like five hours from Brooklyn. <laughs> it took me By two way, and a half hours well, to get here. It's today. because. Do you remember when I texted you last night? Yeah, leave I at said an leave at an time. unusual time. Yeah, I mean, what the, what does that mean? Like to now, me. but last night. I can't. Not yeah, well, I got a fucking tent out there. You yeah. can look at the Big Dipper <laughs> out there and smoke crack. You, really and, you can see the banding. Oh of the my Milky god, Way you can see it all up there. It's great, and especially if you're Hunter Biden. You're in your mind. You're like, oh my god, look at the stars look a like, a, like a Chinese steel company a offering me experience. a seat on the board. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's out. It's out um, about 100 miles east of New York City. Yeah. And if you leave in the middle of the night, it's like an hour and a half. But uh, you left at the wrong time. Yeah. And I was mad that you did, only not because you were late or anything, because I don't want you to get the sense that it takes that long to get out Because <laughs> if you're sensible, it well, doesn't usually No, you know what? Uh, being able to drive like that, I've forgotten how much I missed commuting. It's not bad. Um, you get shit done. Because you get to listen to things. Totally. And I had some calls with some people. What did you listen I, to? I listened to some articles. Oh, on, like, uh, on Instapaper. Instapaper, the Siri voice that you select. Does that sound okay? The this, this Siri voices now are actually quite good. Okay. And that's free, right? The Instapaper one? Yeah. It reads those articles to you. Yeah, yeah. I'm and a subscriber. I pay for the for the additional services. Although I love Instapaper, but it just doesn't feel like they're doing a great deal of development on it. Uh-huh. And I, I like it more than Pocket because Instapaper actually allows you to do annotation and highlighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's if you're a super um, And if you're, again, if you're an aggressive consumer of media, resources like Instapaper are indispensable. But you Autumn, see Autumn is good for that too, which was purchased by the New York Times. Yeah. So it's now owned by... By the, uh, the New York fake Times. news. New yeah. Times. Well, this this is something we should talk about perhaps another day. But I didn't you and only this week. I haven't done it yet. Yeah. But I reached the point where I said, you know what? I'm probably just going to go ahead and cancel my subscription. And that's despite the fact that in recent months and weeks, I've had good things to say about some of the reporting that's happening there. They but do some good stuff. There is. I like the news. There's paper. a degree to which a Rubicon seems to have been crossed in yeah. recent weeks, and it bothers me in ways that I haven't been bothered by stuff like this in the past. But I, I want to talk about that another time. Because you know why? Because that, that that is like, let's just talk about that for 30 seconds. And then six hours later, the sun's coming up. And I'm like, yeah. you know what? It's actually an easy drive home now, Camille. It'll be like an hour and 30 minutes. Cause it's actually entirely possible. Yeah, yeah. I've got enough Adderall to make it home okay. safely Sweet. from that. Sweet. But I, I do like it out here. It, it seems rather nice. It's close yeah. to the water. Um, very there close to the water. Many beautiful homes around here. I imagine various mm-hmm. celebrities Mm-hmm. Who live in town, and it's it's interesting the way. <laughs> so, can I tell can people know then? Oh, but um, so I bought an old beat up house out here. It's not a well. It's a fixer upper. You're making it nicer. Well, you've seen what I've done in just a short period of time, but yeah. with only the assistance of some Albanians. Uh, because it's a really dark house and like whoever made this was out of their mind it was somebody who because it was built in 1948 so it was clearly somebody who got out of a German prison camp and was Mm -hmm. like you know I'm not used to having any light so let's not put any windows in by the way the 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 entire skylight uh, industry (laughs) is controlled by Albanians because I had a couple quotes and everyone was Albanian and the last guy I was like oh this guy wanted this much and he said who is what's his name 
And I was like, I don't know. He's like, I know all the guys. Wait, Tell he's me. talking about his competitor. One of the guys yeah, yeah, who's yeah. talking to you. Yeah, they're all from uh, Tirana. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, I, I know. I probably know him. He's probably scamming you, you know? <laughs> and then, like, so these guys uh, came out here, did the whole thing. And yeah. uh, that is the only work I've had done that I paid for because I'm both poor and cheap. Uh, yeah. So it's a good combination. I think that's a good choice. If you're going to cut yeah. holes in your roof. Have Albanians do Have it? some. Well, <laughs> yes, Albanians or some other immigrant group who's particularly They're so good at skilled labor. by the way. Yeah. I said to them, um, when you said like guys are going to be coming, and I said, well, if, you, if they need to know where it is, I'll put a huge Albanian flag on <laughs> And he looked at me totally serious. And he's like, if you did that, I'd probably give it to you for free. <laughs> and I was like, shit, you man. I was like, I'll literally get like an Albanian tattoo. Oh. And, and some, there's some listener that made fun of me all the time for making Enver Hosha references, but uh, it's because I love the last name. Because <laughs> it's spelled H-O-X-H-A, uh, I guess. Uh, he, was a, he was the communist dictator of uh, Albania, which is like geez. the worst of all the communist countries. Computer brain. Yeah, yeah. So so anyway so that's that's what's going on out yeah. here renovations um, but making, I will say making this, stuff great so again many reservations yeah. making making this street great again um, <laughs> and uh, um, I saw this in the tabloid right uh, finding the tabloids the New York Times uh, yes New York Times uh, tabloid was in the editorial section yeah it was um, <laughs> it was an editorial uh, that all the writers there said it makes me feel unsafe so <laughs> I will probably quit uh, for this but no I saw something about um, uh, Matt Lauer mm. uh, the disgraced Matt Lauer yes uh, Hit you know, he of the mythical button that Clovis yes. Clovis well, and Lockith door the, the button was real but what it was supposedly did was not true yeah. Uh, multiple people had them and it locked it from the outside not from the inside but uh, well, it's an important distinction like he's like you know he's like look at I promise you I'm not locking women in here yeah um, I'm no, still a scumbag but, yeah. but no I saw a picture in the tabloid he was like coming out of the little general store by my new house mm. and so I decided at that point by hook or crook so Matt Lauer lives nearby yes he does we need to find him uh, by hook or crook yeah, Matt Lauer will be my new best friend. By hooker crook, uh, hooker crook. But well, I'll hooker break, crook. I'll get hookers and then yeah. get him. Uh, See what I did there. But I will I, I, just for the record, go to the order. I do know it's by hook or crook. Yes, but I like hooker crook. Hooker crook is good. Yeah, yeah. it's the name of a bar. Yeah, the yeah. hooker crook. She's a porn hooker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> porn hookers. Um, but but like, so don't cancel me and say like you don't think what Matt Lauer did was serious. Um, no, but he's in the neighborhood. I'm going to be like, dude, like, let's talk about this shit because, yeah. you know, I live down the road. Real talk. You live in a house that's 700 times bigger than my house. Yeah. Which I think he bought from Richard Gere oh. when I looked it up. Richard Gere. Richard Gere. Wow. The, uh, the uh, star of many great films. Star of many great films. Uh, pretty, ex- pretty woman. Wasn't he, wasn't he a Madonna's uh, in boyfriend? He, he was in Heat, right? I think he might have been in Heat. Yeah. Uh, Richard, Al Pacino. Richard Gere. Richard Gere dated did, did Madonna, I think. Wow. And, uh, Is no, that right? No, I'm sorry. I was thinking Warren Beatty. They're all the same. Warren anyway, Beatty dated yeah, Madonna? Yeah, he's in the movie. The, the, the Truth or Dare movie where she like breaks up with him because he comes back to stage after a show and she says, what did you think of the show? And he says, it's, it was neat. And she was like, all right, that's enough. <laughs> Which was like the only time I ever agreed with Madonna. Wait, so is yeah. Truth or Dare, is that like a real movie? It's a documentary. Or it, it's yeah. like a faux documentary. I mean, like it's that probably. Joaquin Phoenix documentary yeah. where he's a rapper. Well, that one was like, at the end, they said, aha, we're fucking with you. But Madonna pretends that this one real, was real, but I think there's probably a bit of mm-hmm. real Housewives Truth element of it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know that I've ever seen that. Film. We got to get her on. Madonna? Uh, no, Leia. 
McSweeney from Real Housewives. Oh, fuck yes. We should get her on. Yeah. She's on the Real Housewives show. Yeah. Of New York. We're friendly. And she's a, she's genuinely a, she's friendly. a pal. And she's, she's nice. She's, she's cool. Yeah. She's nice. She's a baddie too, though. Yeah, I don't know, but I've never she's seen her. Baddie. I've never seen the show. Have you? I've, I've never seen the show. I had a producer uh-huh. who's one of the funniest people. Uh, and she was like, I love the Real Housewives show. And I was like, mm-hmm. are you kidding me? So we were staying in an Airbnb. Yeah. And on a shoot. And, and you she, watched? Yeah, I watched it. And three hours later, I was like, is there more? Can we hear? <laughs> and we kept watching. And at the end, we watched the Real Housewives of Auckland. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was one. It was like Kiwi one, right? Right? <laughs> yeah, right. Real Housewives. Yeah, I swear to God. And I was yeah. like, this is amazing. So there's like franchise. I'm sure so wait, the Albanian is, is guys. Like, know. Is she herself on the? Well, I haven't seen that one. This oh, you have This is no, another one. I, that was just my record of watching that show. Is it it's bad that we're friendly scared. and we we've never seen the show? Never seen her show. I feel. Has she listened to this podcast? Yes. You promise? Oh, yeah. Really? Yes. She's a big fan? She likes us. We have Real Housewives that listen to this? <laughs> we have, can we get one of the There's ding- so many people Yeah, but can we get one of the dingbat ones from like... I thought you were going to say Dinglish. Like Peter <laughs> no, Dinglish. No. Who may Peter, also listen to the Peter yeah, podcast. Peter Dinklage. Peter, you, if you do listen, please write in. <laughs> he lived by the Daily Beast office. Nice to see him walking his dog all the yeah. time. Yeah. Big dog. Yes. Really big dog. Yes. It's like he's fucking with you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm literally saying nothing, but yes. Yeah. Yeah, this is true though. All yeah. that is true. It's a really big dog. But yeah. That was a pretty I'm sorry, that was a pretty scattered digression. Was there a story there? No, I think it was it's just fun. that I want to be friends with Matt Lauer, but I don't want people to cancel me and say, Oh, you like Matt Lauer because he's a scumbag. Like, let me just find out. Let me just hang out with him first. <laughs> and by friends you mean you want to interrogate him. I rigorously. just want to see what happens. Yeah. You know, we've all been to Sochi. Um, no, <laughs> no, God. I don't know what happened. Oh my God! But, but so. I'm not. I see. I don't yeah. know enough about that story to be offended by my own joke. Yeah. But I do know uh, that he wrote a response mm-hmm. that media, Dan right. Abram, yeah. Dan Abram's uh, publication, uh, put out there, which I thought was pretty interesting. Is like mm-hmm. shows you how people get canceled. Like nobody else will publish that. Yeah. Despite the fact that it probably got like eight million page views. Yeah. You would assume that like somebody else would be like, all right, well, we'll publish you. But yeah. to publish somebody these days means you like agree with them. So, yeah, um, you know, you know who can get published. Who's that? Megan The Stallion. Did you see her opinion editorial in the New York Times this week? Oh, wasn't it like a just kind of a recapitulation of what she said on SNL? It, I mean, it was a, it was a full on opinion editorial. I mean, it was maybe seven hundred words or something. I wonder who wrote that for her. Wow, that's. Race? Have you seen? No, but have you seen her dog? <laughs> I'm not just like I don't see her. I'm like, oh, is that Bill Buckley's? I, I actually, I, this is when I knew I was getting older. I don't know, apart from WAP, mm-hmm. I don't know any songs that Megan The Stallion is on. I've never heard one. Yeah, that's the only one. I've and and, and there are a number of popular artists who I don't know anything about. Now I do know Megan The Stallion, yeah. this rapist for the unlearned, <laughs> who recently she performed on Saturday Night Live. And um, she said some some somewhat provocative things, but very much in line with the sort of Black Lives Matter movement. But she also was recently shot or yes. claims to have been shot by another rapist by the name of Tory Lanez. Wait, she mentioned that in Toronto time, based rapper. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tory actually his music, I, I actually think is pretty good. I like Tory. Mm. Um, but at any rate, people don't want to hear about this shit. People don't want to hear about this because we've been we've been away for a while. We should probably talk about some of the things that are going on because I actually but I've I, got but a Megan lot Thee Stallion of is kind of going on. Yeah, yeah, she's she's. I mean, yeah. Wait, just tell me, just tell me um, what she said. I'm trying to remember because um, well, I, if I believe it was like a one of the Taylor opening, thing, right? yeah, I mean, one of the opening lines of this this essay is saying uh, black women should be protected shouldn't be a controversial statement, and 
I have good news for her. It isn't a controversial statement. Mm-hmm. No one is outraged by that. Uh, mm-hmm. I do love the phony premise of articles like that. And the rest of it proceeds as you would expect. It's very hard to be a black woman. There are all of the, the sort of conventional tropes about healthcare disparities, et cetera, et cetera, which are all attributed to structural racism, which is a rhetorical move and not really uh, an actual argument from evidence. So far as I'm concerned, come fight me. And she just talks about how brave she is. She's not afraid <laughs> to be canceled for saying controversial things and for Which fighting for freedom and for doing precisely the same thing that other freedom fighters have done. And it's not fair that people keep wanting to pit her and Nicki Minaj and Cardi B against one another. She's just a legend in her own right. And she doesn't have to be one of those two people. <laughs> Hip hop. Do you know what my favorite thing is? Is when people <laughs> gaslight you by saying, I don't care if I get canceled for things that. Yeah, you're not getting canceled. My you're favorite. Getting, you're getting published I, in the New York Times. Yeah, people exactly, are listening to you. Exactly. Black I, women are the most marginalized. Yeah. <laughs> we stand up for everyone else. We have to fight for everyone else. Nobody listens to us except when you're writing opinion <laughs> editorials in the New York Times after you performed in Saturday Night Live. But my favorite, I took a screenshot of this. I was going to Multiple send it to hit you, records. and I totally forgot to send it to you because uh, it's not that important. But it's the same kind of instinct, and it was in the NME, the the British uh, once great British music paper, which is like a shadow of his former self. Um, it's about Demi Lovato. Mm-hmm. You know her, right? Mm-hmm. The headline was this: Demi Lovato on Trump criticism. I literally don't care if this ruins my career. <laughs> if it ruins my career, it's like. I'm sorry. Wait, what? You're criticizing Trump Are you will ruin your career. Me? Yeah, like it. Lovato criticizes the president on new track "Commander in Chief." Oof, mm. God, the bravery oh, is man. just like. Yeah. I mean, how do you do that? Yeah. It's like it, it's always like a letter from a Birmingham jail. <laughs> it's the same. It's letter. It's, it's letter, the same. It's letter from my house in Beverly Hills. <laughs> it's amazing. Demi Lovato. Completely uncontroversial letter in, I which, gonna... in which I say all the things that you've heard a hundred times <laughs> yeah. before about how the president is a horrible, yeah. monstrous, racist neo-Nazi who should be prosecuted and thrown in jail it's as soon as he's defeated to by ruin Joe Biden. Her career. Yeah. Saying that. I literally don't care if this ruins my career. And the reason you literally don't care is because obviously you know yeah. it is not going to ruin yeah, your yeah, career, yeah. Demi Lo- Lo- Lovato. I, I was so in ridiculous. Soho shopping this morning, as you do, uh-huh. um, in pandemic era. All of the shops on a Saturday open at noon and there's no one else in there. You kind of have the place to yourself. It still feels a bit sad. It was that APC, actually. It's a mm-hmm. Parisian brand that yes, I like. Very nice brand. Um, I got this. I actually got this rose colored sweatshirt there. It's a nice it's Very nice. The only thing I ever could afford at APC was a, a wallet. Actually, then I realized somebody else bought it for me. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I actually couldn't even afford that. So. Um, but uh, spontaneously, a Black Lives Matter protest, at least spontaneous for me, because I didn't know it was coming. Today? They, I imagine they, they coordinated. Yeah, it was a rather small affair. It was um, like a breakfast protest. They, they, they made it a point to actually social distance at this one. So, you know, it was small. Um, and I don't know yeah. if it was deliberate social distancing or just to make the whole thing look more prominent. But it's, it is interesting. The principal mantra, like Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, mm. this politically freighted very ordinary sounding idea interpreted literally sure. is uncontroversial. Uncontroversial. But interpreting it literally would be your first mistake. It's wrong. And yes. what will help you know exactly how to interpret it is your iPhone. If you have one and you can ask Siri and you can do, Hey Siri, do black lives matter? Yes. Black lives matter. And then it gives you a prompt to visit black lives matter.com. Okay. This is the cool thing though. Yeah. Hey Siri, do all lives matter? Matter is often used in response to the phrase Black Lives Matter, 
but it does not represent the same concerns. To learn more about the Black Lives Matter human rights movement, visit blacklivesmatter.com. How is it controversial to be you know, against racism? How's it controversial to say something like Black Lives Matter? It's just, this is just a basic statement. How could anyone object to sure. this? It is a political slogan. Yes. There is a context for it. It is not enough to agree with the explicit thing that's being said, with the literal interpretation of the words. You must agree with the underlying subtext, with the, yeah. with the sentiments that are woven in there, which are so dense that one must visit the website for additional information. And if you yeah. attempt to broaden the concept beyond black lives to all lives, it's a fucking travesty. This what? is an obviously true statement. All lives matter unless apparently it is not. Well, it's an interesting thing is because it's implying that those three words are political and not literal. And uh-huh. the previous ones are literal and not political. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. I mean, they both can be political and they both can be literal. Some, right? some dodgy shit going some on dodgy there. Stuff going on. Some dodgy shit going on, yeah. which is not being scrutinized. But, but I'll I tell think you- that if you're asking for political advice from your robot phone, that might be your first mistake, actually. Well, all, yeah. all I'm doing is asking a very basic question. Do all lives matter? Well, and, I think it's probably... I mean, this is the thing. Yeah. I can ask my iPhone other questions, too, that are similarly important. What is the meaning of life? A movie. It is. Hey. Well, that's true. That's true. Yeah. There's actually... Yeah. There's, a, there's a range of answers that okay. you get to that yeah. question. Well, um, At some point, you get, you get the answer from a certain science What would happen movie. if you asked about Hunter Biden's um, emails? Would oh, it, my would God. Would it probably... Your phone shuts off. You're not all off. allowed to use it. And Tim it Cook locks comes up. over and punches yeah. you in the balls and yeah. then walks away. <laughs> Doesn't even say anything. Well, we should talk a little bit about the, the stuff that's been going on because we've, we've been gone for a while, so we've yeah. missed a lot of stuff. I did see tonight on Drudge, it looks like Donald Trump at a local rally, a recent rally, um, probably in Georgia, called for locking up the Bidens and and Hillary Clinton. He's also back to lock her up because I think he likes to chant. He He likes to keep doing it. Um, We should talk about that. Maybe we had some dueling town halls this week. We were supposed to have another presidential debate. This would have been the second presidential debate. Mm -hmm. But because of the shit show fiasco of the first presidential debate um, in which the president continued to interrupt Joe Biden and Joe Biden told him to shut up and the president told him that his son was a crackhead, all of those things really happened. The, the debate commission, in their infinite wisdom, decided we'll have a debate. We won't do it in person. We'll have an audience in an auditorium, socially distanced, but we'll have the two presidential candidates in their respective locations via live stream. And President Trump said it wasn't worth his time. So they literally had dueling, <laughs> simultaneously broadcast town halls. But like with Joe Biden people? had one with people what and Donald Trump the had one with people. whole thing that you people. couldn't had to do it virtual? It's nuts. So basically, <laughs> as opposed to just, uh, just exposing a, a small it's group of It's just the old, two of them can't be together. Now we've just doubled the number of people could potentially expose yeah. by having two events. <laughs> the two of them can't oh be with God. one another. Yeah. Um, and there were some interesting dynamics that came out of that. Um, also, October surprises. We've got yeah. a bunch of that stuff. Um, yeah, so yeah, sure. there's Trump who had COVID and has now recovered when last Last time we talked, he hadn't even had COVID yet, I believe. Um, and then there's the Hunter Biden laptop situation and mm-hmm. this interesting dynamic where Twitter and Facebook find themselves in the crosshair as a result of this campaign scandal. But maybe we start with the debates. And mm-hmm. did I watch them live? The answer is absolutely not. Yes. Um, good idea. I've, I've seen most of both debates at this point and certainly have some some thoughts about them. What did you think of that? <laughs> the, the, the thing that was the takeaway of the Trump one was the, which was funny because when it, the question was asked by Savannah Guthrie, 
who is, I think, unfairly um, criticized for giving Trump a hard time. That's her fucking job, That's her job. people. That's her job. Um, the, and the fact that on ABC, who did that? Was it Stephanopoulos? Yes. Look, George Stephanopoulos literally worked for the Clintons. Yeah. He was in the Clinton White House, yeah. right? There's some people you can be like, well, I don't know mm-hmm. what Chris Wallace believes. I don't mm-hmm. know where his politics are. I don't know. Maybe I found, you know, Wolf Blitzer once worked for APAC. Like yeah. These things like this. Uh, George Stephanopoulos was, was literally working in the yeah, Clinton yeah, yeah. White House yeah. and on the campaign. And it's in that very good documentary yeah. uh, about um, uh, War Room, about the, mm-hmm. uh, the 92 campaign. Yeah, I wouldn't so, even say there's a thin veneer of not objectivity even there. No, not not no. at all. And, there's and, no veneer. And it really is very interesting. I think it's actually just reflective of the broader dynamic in the campaign, the way it's playing out in the media, because there aren't many direct confrontations between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Joe Biden has been in elected office for most of his life and from for all of my life. <laughs> yeah, he's he's been he's been a senator for 85 years. And yeah. and the record that is being run on at this point really isn't his for the most part to the extent he gets any sort of confrontational challenging question. He says, "Look, I don't want to talk about that." Mm-hmm. You know, Joe Biden, are you going to pack the courts? Look, I don't want to talk it's, about that. I don't want to make that issue. The issue is <laughs> Donald Trump. Donald Trump being it's in the White House is the none issue. of your business. <laughs> there's, there's not really much of a strategy beyond that. And the, oh. Trump, on the other hand, is being constantly berated mm-hmm. and is constantly embroiled in scandal. And mm-hmm. oftentimes they're scandals of his own making. And for the most Usually part, are, yeah. most of the controversy these days is just about COVID and mm-hmm. the fact that he got COVID, which is the biggest October surprise thus far. Perhaps no, 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 we, no, 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 we, that's, that's forever. Not, oh, what is it? Well, cause we were talking about this when we were having dinner. Uh-huh. The biggest October surprise is that on this podcast, oh. from the very beginning, you have heard us, wrestling with this uh, figuring out the science as we went people aren't taking it seriously enough people are taking it too seriously people aren't taking it seriously enough and as you pointed out Mm -hmm. tonight camille in this breakdown of presidential authority when everybody in the white house was sliding off this mortal coil and bleeding out their eyes and sweating covid there was a bit of a time where we were like, where did Chris Christie go? <laughs> and so we're like, oh my God, where is Chris Christie? And will he be replaced by one of those Disney World animatronic Chris Christie's <laughs> who's like, I, you know, you know, don't cross the bridge. And uh, you, know, you pointed this out. Yeah, he was on vacation on the beautiful island of Ikkyu. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was weekend at Bernie's uh, with Chris Christie. And, but it wasn't that. And as you pointed out, and I'll give Camille credit for this, I just want to give the, the, the build up to this. <laughs> is it co- COVID? We've now determined on the Fifth Column podcast <laughs> is fake. And the reason it's fake is because Chris Christie didn't die. That He did not die. If this is not killing Chris Christie, <laughs> yeah. it's only killing 96-year-old Belgians. That's the only people who are dying, old Belgians. It's amazing. You know, I get that Chris Christie is getting better care than a lot of people. But if it, all you have to, I don't know. I mean, he's going to like a, a public hospital in New Jersey. But all you have to do is Google pictures of Chris Christie wearing a baseball uniform. <laughs> have you ever seen those? In the Yankee uniform? Yeah. Oh, my God, man. It's so weird. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Oh, man. But yeah, so clearly COVID is That's fake. not fat shaming, by the way. It's No, it's no, not it's fat shaming. We're concerned about no, his health because he got COVID. Baseball's weird. And we thought he was going to die. And yeah. then it, it turned out COVID was fake. No, Chris Christie, <laughs> Boris Johnson... Donald Trump. Yes. All survived in, bouts with COVID. Yeah. Granted, yes. Donald Trump 
was getting some experimental treatments yes. that other people have not had access to. Maybe Chris Christie had it, yes. but he wouldn't have spent so much time in ICU, perhaps. But Chris Christie also released a, a statement um, apologizing for not having worn a mask, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, that, that's, been, about that's it, yeah. been a scandal. So, but, but I think we Justin got here. Trudeau, by the way, got oh, to, and he's did, dead. He, d- <laughs> yeah, he died. Did he get, he, he was positive he did, too? He was one of the first ones, yeah. Wow. He was like the Tom Hanks of leaders. Yeah, he wow. was one of the, the first ones. Uh, Bolsonaro survived too, news. which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. See? He was like licking railings, yeah. But Herman Cain didn't survive. <laughs> Obviously racism. Structural or, or, racism or cancer that which, he also had. I mean, only yeah. black people get cancer. Yeah, it's well, not yeah. barren, right? Yeah, um, but Kwame Ture, <laughs> government gave it to him. But the dynamic I was just describing was definitely on full display. Um, I think in this debate, I think Guthrie did go after Trump. It was yes. persistent. I thought she did a good job. His, yeah. his worst moment yes. and perhaps the stupidest thing the to Seal get Team tripped 6, off though? on. Yeah, it's the moment she goes after him for after him retweeted that Seal Team Six tweet, and he says, "Oh, it's just a retweet." It's just a. I retweet. mean, I, look, I, I'm not saying I believe it. I don't know. I'm just putting it out there for people I'm to look. Putting at. it out there for people. But the great thing about <laughs> this is I'm putting it, there put pe- it out there for people to judge as if there's like all these but, open records and everyone's yeah. just like, let's just go figure out the actual truth. You know, Nicole Hannah Jones did the same fucking thing. Yes, you remember that? Yes, when she was retweeting "Son of." Baldwin yes. about the the conspiracy theory suggesting oh, that the, the government was putting fireworks into Brooklyn yeah just because they're professional grade fireworks yeah. and then she says I was just asking questions yes and then it thank you for out, my it, Pulitzer yes that's greatest right. journalist it, in the history of America it turns out she propagating was conspiracies this, theories just like it's, Donald Trump it's crazy that was the craziest one because um, she yeah like that's the, it's the same level right but the son of Baldwin would turn out to be son of Billy Baldwin, apparently. <laughs> it's not James Baldwin. That was a great. That was like some kid in Bushwick who got, has like a blue check mark because he wrote a novel and um, had 80 billion retweets. And then we're like, you know, this this disinformation yeah. has really gone too far. Um, yeah, everybody believes dumb shit. And we've said this a lot in this podcast. But I realize around this time when I've been on the road talking to people about who they're voting for, about the upcoming election, about what they thought of the past four years. I don't think there's anyone who I met who didn't believe something that was totally crazy. Mm. Totally crazy. Mm-hmm. Like the Trump people over-index for that. Do for they? Sure. Yes, they do. They actually do. I don't know. The people who... Well, keep in mind that the, the sample group here mm-hmm. is not like you're knocking on somebody's door and somebody comes out and is like, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm going to vote for Donald Trump kind of thing. These are people that come out to rallies and they're like swaddled in all the clothes and the rest of it. And if there is something that reflects negatively on their leader, they will instantly move to find an excuse. Mm-hmm to dismiss it rather than saying, well, the accumulation of all these bad things mean I don't like this guy anymore. These yeah. people are committed. Yeah. And it doesn't, they should, half of them should be committed. Mm-hmm. But, but they don't, nothing is going to move them in their support. It is like the undecided voter when Steve Kornacki was on the show, the, the, the fact that like unlike in uh, 2016, there are fewer quote unquote undecided voters. Mm-hmm. And I think that there there are very few people that I met that were on the fence about Donald Trump. You can no longer, after four years, be on the fence about him. The on the fence before was like, he's an entertainer. Mm-hmm. He's uh, going to shake up Washington. He's going to drain the swamp. At this point, he's been part of the machine for four years. So it's a, it's a rather different thing to, to dismiss the criticism. You have to be a real, real diehard to do that, to dismiss all the criticism as some sort of um, you know, media conspiracy. While you can also, people don't understand this, <laughs> I don't know why, the nuance of this is this, you can actually understand that Donald Trump is a total ratbag. Mm-hmm. 
And I think it's undeniable that he is. And also say they go after him in a way that is definitely not something they're going to apply to Joe Biden. Well, I think the disparate treatment is perhaps his best argument. And and it seems to be like the fundamental argument for his base. The justification for voting for me is, I mean, you see how unfairly they're treating me. And and yeah. honestly, when I when I hear like Trump supporters talk about Trump, you know, apart from most of the prominent advocates for Trumpism on television, I, yeah. I will often hear them qualify their support for him, like recognize mm-hmm. that, you know, he's not he's not great. He's not the person I would hope for. Mm-hmm. In some cases, you'll see like the really diehard MAGA folks who say he's the best. Everything he does is perfect. But. I think it's hard to find to search for or hope for an equivalent like that on the other side because there isn't any sort of passionate support for Joe Biden. It's no. more white hot contempt for Donald Trump. And yeah. in that way, when I look at the left, I mean, I think the penchant for believing absurd things and embracing conspiratorial thinking mm. is pretty high. I've seen most of them believe, maybe not most, lots of people believe that the election was stolen last time around. Yes, 100%. And they believe that the Russians are 100% actively engaging in all sorts of electoral interference in profound and significant and meaningful ways, Um, which is, I, I have to qualify it in that way because I think it's certainly the case, possible, likely, definitely, that the Russians have done something. And spent some amount of resources and time. Of course. But it's not obvious that it is the sort of thing that's actually been particularly effectual. Which do you prefer? Conspiracies that are like cockamamie and dumb Mm -hmm. and like embarrassing from your leaders and Mm -hmm. from your people in media? And that would be be Donald Trump saying, you know, hey, I'm just putting it out there. SEAL Team 6 killed a body double. Uh And you have a guy who's, you know, supposedly delivered that that fatal shot. Yeah. um, Who's a Fox News guy. um, And he's been a Fox News contributor and I think a supporter of Donald Trump coming out and saying, this is disgusting, saying Mm -hmm. that what I did and risked my life for didn't actually happen. Yeah. So there's that stuff, which is so bonkers. That I think is easily discernible, right? Mm-hmm. When people say that, when Donald Trump says that, if you believe that, or if you don't care about it very much, there's two ways you can handle that. One is that the president is an entertainer. We don't care. He's obviously, that's obviously not true, but mm-hmm. he's... he's and, and, and he doesn't care if it's true. He doesn't care if it's true at all. Yeah. And he's just doing a shtick. That's one way of doing uh-huh. it. The second way is believing it and saying, and that's just a very, very small percentage of the population, I would, I yeah, would imagine. I, I'm not sure if it, there's anyone who actually... I don't think that... I, it, if if, there, if apart there are, from like the QAnon nuts. Yeah, and if they, there are, they're, they're too busy like slaying pedophiles to... <laughs> non-existent <laughs> pedophiles. Whereas on the other end of this is that if you watched Rachel Maddow for four years, uh-huh. raking in millions and millions of dollars... Yeah, of talking about ru- Russian collusion. In a way mm-hmm. that... It was, you know, paranoia inducing that there is essentially a foreign government, a very unseemly authoritarian, shitty foreign government of Mm -hmm. the Kremlin that was not only secretly manipulating our politics, but may have had an asset in the White House. Yes. I mean, in the Soviet Union, they managed to get assets like the Ware Group and, you know, Alger Hiss and, you know, State Department officials and, and things like that. Victor Perlow, these guys. It, 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 it's the White House. Wow, what a coup mm-hmm. that in 1991, the Soviet Union went away. And in a matter of, you know, 20 plus years, they managed to actually put someone in the White House who yeah. was sympathetic to him. 
did they say that explicitly? Some people did, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, others did it by implication. But that conspiracy theory, just because it's grounded in some things that are actually true, that the Russians were absolutely trying to influence the, the, the election, no doubt about that. And, and Trump Trump campaign officials, in some cases, had very dodgy associations. Very dodgy. There, and, and were, like, yes. there were connections to, there were connections to, to the Russians. Pre- the, the president lied. Uh-huh. I mean, the president lied. I mean, a lot of, Mul- a lot of multiple, times, multiple people times. associated with the campaign lied. But absolutely. him saying, like, I have lied. no business uh, dealings. I mean, when they were actively seeking to mm-hmm. build a Trump Tower in Moscow, yeah. in which... The Donald Trump when is caught out on it says, "Well, you know, you know, if I lose, I want to have, uh, I want to have some options." Basically, yeah, is yeah. what he says. So there's a ton of things <laughs> that are bad. That said, because there are things about it that are true, that doesn't somehow excuse or justify going nine steps ahead in saying that this is all collusion. That stuff just doesn't hold water. I mean, yeah. there, the, the, the stuff that does. There is stuff that does. Like, and let's be clear about this. The hacking mm-hmm. of DNC mails, of all that stuff. Those hacking operations, we know almost for sure that there was the Russians that they have, they have an interest in it. Right. There the was the a, U.S. intelligence community has reached that consensus. The indictments there's, are interesting. There's some people who still are uh, remain doubtful. And I'm, They're wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm at least in the camp that says, to the extent you have proof, let us actually see it. But rem- it's always fair I, to scrutinize. I, I guess the thing about it is, and I'll just say this, is that... I'm, I'm not saying I disbelieve it. I'm no, just no, saying that, of that course. I think it's... I think the it's indictments are very convincing, by yeah. the way, if you read them. Uh, put it this way. Mm-hmm. Never be surprised the power of partisan politics, right? Mm-hmm. Because the things that people said about Russians and the heavy breathing about it mirrors a lot of talk about Russia in the 1950s, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the other side had done this at one point in the past. We objected to it, and now we are fully engaged in it. I'll give it one other example. The militia plot in Michigan. Mm. Um, I don't have any doubt that everything in that indictment is true. I've seen enough that I'm like, huh, these people are pretty crazy, right? Mm -hmm. But I've seen also a lot of people who were very skeptical of entrapment and things like that when Islamists and or or not even Muslims, like the Lakwana Five and Mm -hmm. all these things that have been dismissed that, you know, democracy now used to do these things all the time of like, here are how these Muslims were, were walked into a plot set up by the FBI. Right. And then I look at this plot in Michigan and I'm like, okay, so who in this group wasn't either an informant <laughs> or an FBI plant? I mean, yeah. there's like one guy and like seven informants. And you're like, hey, we learned a lot of lessons after 9-11. Do you guys... You guys that point, entrapment works. Yeah, the well, you guys pointed this stuff out then. Do you want to apply some of the skepticism now? Or is it because you don't like these guys and their politics and they seem sort of you know, Trumpy in their way. Um, and everybody spins on this. And one mm-hmm. of the other things that p- people have to be careful of is that there was one of these guys with, you know, these big, you know, stretched out ears, you know, those gauges uh-huh. they have in ears. It's disgusting. Yeah, yeah. Why do people do that? It's disgusting. I don't, I don't know. And he, that, that sort of body modification is oh, not my God, It's disgusting. Yeah. And this guy was like on video saying, Trump's a tyrant and why are you guys falling for this kind of thing? And everyone, yeah. now there's a bunch of people on the right say, oh, look at that left wing kind of it's like, guys, you truly, and there's an anarchist flag behind him. Yeah. So, oh, they're left. It's like, guys, do you really not understand the nuances of political ideology and belief? Like, you can be yes. a right winger <laughs> and have an anarchist flag and hate Donald Trump right. and be even far right. Does it mean you're like a Black Lives Matter per- person, a lefty person, et cetera? So, I, there's just the shit that I'm seeing. It's, it's yeah. just making me despair how simple minded everybody's read on everything is. These fucking 
Amy Coney Barrett hearings. It's like, mm-hmm. does anyone like these guys, these Republicans are hypocrites. It's like, yes, they are. Yeah. You know what? You are too. You are too. Yeah. You wanted to do this with Merrick Garland and now you don't. So it's, it works both ways. Everyone, repeat after me, ladies and gentlemen, Americans, everyone is a piece of shit. You included, listener. Well, I want to tick through some of some of the um, no, you, some some of the listeners. Not not all. Yeah. Many many of these are just very, very enlightened folks who see right through the bullshit. And speaking of seeing through the bullshit, I want to talk about a, a couple of the different scandals that are playing out, the various October surprises, and perhaps parse some of them and talk about the aspects of these stories that matter. But we could start with this laptop in Delaware. Mm-hmm. A little bit of context for Maybe. anyone who hasn't been paying attention here. A laptop shows up at an off-brand Apple repair shop. I think it's called like the Mac shop or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently there's a guy who has impaired vision who repairs laptops by ear. And someone walks in and leaves him with the laptop. He can't say for sure whether or not it was Hunter Biden, but whatever. We know there's a guy who got a laptop. And the short version of this story is the laptop is somewhat damaged laptop guy. And you need to know this people. If you take your laptop to the genius bar, the first thing they're going to do is look through your shit. Take a look at your photos and your videos. See the porno that you just made with your wife. They're reading your text messages. They're apparently searching through your inbox to see if you have any sort of associations with Russians. This is what the laptop repair guy did because apparently, because apparently no one ever came to pick up this laptop and he sort of duplicated the drive. I mean, what we know at a minimum is this guy, this guy is legitimately running a laptop repair shop. He's been running it for years. So that's, that much is real. And by some, the way, just some to point way out, he obtains, this from yeah, the Biden campaign. Ex- no one from the Biden campaign has denied the specific allegations. Yeah, no one said it. We've never heard of this guy. Yeah. So, which you'd expect you know, the, the laptop is there. There are images that are floating around now, which, again, unless they're deep fakes, they, they appear to be real, which seem to show Hunter Biden in various ridiculous, silly, and in some cases compromising positions, like holding a glass pipe, which. I presumed when I saw it, Michael Moyne was mm-hmm. a crack pipe yes. laying in bed, Possibly. seemingly kind of sleeping. And the the thing that the Trump administration or crack, the Trump campaign was hoping for. Well, we don't know if he's actually sleeping or if he's just being playful. Yes. The yes. joy of crack use is yes. what I really see in that photo. Yeah. And I, I think, know. You know. We I should mean, talk about that. A little yeah. Bit. I looked at that and I was like, so? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, but the thing know, that folks were out. really hoping would hit home was the Burisma emails. The person who was holding this laptop is apparently a a vehement Trump supporter. And we decide, I'm just going to look for some of the names of executives at Burisma. (laughs) And apparently he manages Mm. to find a couple of pieces of correspondence. And that correspondence seems to contradict at least some of the things that have been claimed by Joe Biden. And again, there are questions about whether or not Mm. the emails are authentic about the sources of the laptop, etc., so he dropped the laptop and gave him their pass his password, I presume. Right? Is that or an admin password? Maybe, maybe there was no password. I don't maybe know. Maybe there was no password. Yeah. Maybe and like it was an Apple mail? Was that what the, he was he was from? Not from? clear. It was a Gmail, it's a little more difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like this stuff was stored locally. Could this happen technologically? Yeah, yeah. sure it could. Um there's a lot of things that make me wonder about it. Mm-hmm. And we don't have the actual emails. I think we have PDF PDF, quote unquote, printouts. Like uh-huh. You can print something to PDF versions of this. How this came into this person's hands, it's a, it's, you know, look, could it have been something 
that was engineered by a foreign adversary. Sure. Seems, yeah. But it seems unlikely to me. Like it has to uh, wind up in just the right PC repair person's uh, hands. And, and you yeah, have to know that this is the maybe. kind of person who will reach out to the Giuliani team. Possibly. That, yeah. I mean, there's a, a million potentials of that. Unless all of that is fake. Cover story. Yeah. Which, um, again, it's, this is possible. But here's, here's one thing that I think is worth focusing on, since we can't know the province of that. Even in the worst case scenario here yeah. for the Biden team, that this is the legit hack. It's not that what, bad. what does it mean? Nothing. It doesn't really mean much. It's based there's, on what we knew. There's, there's a sense in which, like, what happened here is definitely unseemly. It is explicitly a circumstance where Hunter Biden is trading on his father's yeah. prominence and celebrity, his influence, as his Joe position of power, too, yeah. as Joe yeah. Biden's family has done for many, many years yes. to yes. the tune of many millions of dollars in various ways, including Joe Biden himself, who spent a lifetime in government service and somehow has managed to become a multimillionaire. Imagine that. Would that we all could hang ourselves on the cross and turn into multi-multi-millionaires as a result of that. So good for him. This is conventional, everyday American political corruption. Yes. And there is a sense in which Joe Biden, a man who has been in American politics forever, kind of personifies that. When he ran for president the first time, he did it plagiarizing and mm-hmm. just making shit up. He's not even a great liar. He was easily caught. And they weren't sort of profound lies. It's, I'm the valedictorian. I finished the top of my class. Yeah. Like, you're a loser. I'm the best. And there's a sense in which, like, with this, like, ordinary lying, Joe Biden is doing, like, conventional political bullshit. It's just that there's, like, this smear of respectability. And that for whatever reason makes things like more palatable to folks. I remember yeah. I remember like the the response to the VP debate seeing Pence and Harris sit next to each other almost yeah. and a fly pitch on um, Pence's head which apparently is the most important thing in the world and so many it's people the most interesting thing that happened in the debate. I talked to seemed to breathe almost a sigh of relief because this was more normal. It was yeah. more calm and respectable and I've always been very turned off by the the appeal of that respectable politics mm-hmm. and i've long thought that donald trump is kind of like the ultra joe biden in the yeah. sense that he's pure bullshit mm-hmm. there's no pretense that he's doing it for other people that is actually credible you get the sense that donald trump actually does kind of have contempt for you if you are paying taxes and you're paying more than him mm-hmm. and to the extent he gets caught not paying any taxes he he's kind of proud What's wrong with you plebes for paying your taxes? What's wrong with you plebes for not fucking porn stars and occasionally supermodels? Am I kind of an asshole? Am I self-interested? Am I going to use the office of the presidency to enrich myself? And is it benefiting my family that we're doing these things? In some respects, sure. In other respects, not great for the brand, actually. But, (laughs) But everyone does use these positions of power. And enrich themselves once they leave office. And of course, to varying degrees. And and again, it's there. And some people are somewhat embarrassed by this shit. And they don't tell lies in the same way that Donald Trump does. Mm -hmm. But most of the things uttered from the VP debate stage, for example, the attacks are half-truths and dishonest exaggerations. And sometimes they're outright and absurd. And sometimes they're a little more subtle. But in a way, it really is... All bullshit, which is not to say that it's completely equivalent. But when you ask a question like, what do we what do we prefer? Do we prefer to have a president 
and his supporters who believe really ridiculous conspiracy theories or a more respectable brand of conspiracy that is accepted by journalists mainstreamed and is reproduced in the most prominent newspapers. Which one of those things is more awful? If all you're saying is we just need to get this guy out so he can return Mm -hmm. to the previous norm of Mm -hmm. bullshit and fuckery. I don't know if that's, I think Trump is worse. I mean, I think that's that, you know, it doesn't sort of neutralize your point in any way. I think it's, it's, it just doesn't seem like enough to shuffle candidates, to, to move from one to the other and to feel as though we no. accomplished a great thing and, and salvaged the union. Well, I think that also this, this Biden stuff could have the effects of, of uh, making people think that Biden is a lot cleaner um, than Trump. And I think it's true that he is cleaner, but, but he's a lot... I mean, Trump's his volume in a short period of time. And Biden probably has more stuff on him, but it's over a 48, 50-year period. But I think that what this, the potential fallout, if anyone is allowed to read this um, stuff, if Twitter stops blocking mm-hmm. it and Facebook stops blocking which is, it. Which is the next thing, yeah. Of course. And this, of course, makes the story more interesting to almost everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it could have the effect of uh, kind of boomeranging on Trump because there is the sympathy that mm-hmm. people have for somebody who's drug addicted and having a hard time in life. I, I less, definitely, yeah. Less sympathy for somebody who's using their their daddy's uh, uh, position yeah. um, as a vice president or as a senator or whatever. Did you, did you have that sense when you saw the photos? Because when I saw the photos I, I and did. thought about this, and I actually saw a, a friend, Cyan Bannister, who's a, a BC, had tweeted something along those lines that she saw these photos and she immediately felt a great deal of empathy for yeah. Joe Biden. And she'd read some, yeah. some features about like the suffering. And this is a man who lost his wife and his young daughter son. who like his son had lost a mother and yeah. sister at the same time. And in fact, his son experiences this, this horrible tragedy. And then his dad goes off and takes this new gig that keeps him away from home a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. This, this kid has suffered a lot throughout his life, yeah. even if he comes from you know a position of privilege as it might be interpreted. And it's very clear that he's an addict who's self-medicating yeah. And dealing with a, a tough situation, and and it, you do have some sympathy for him. Yeah, and, and, I, I don't yeah. think I, I don't want to be part of ridiculing no, him as a crackhead. No, of course not. You I know? think that, and as, by the way, it demonstrates that Donald Trump was aware of this stuff before the New York Post, Post published it. Seems like I mean, specifically calling him a crackhead seems like he, he had some previous information on this. But to my my, I, I would just to finish the previous point because I don't want to let this uh, go. Is that how this could? Um, rebound on on Trump and in a negative way is if somebody is being logical, right, and says this is the October surprise, this is this guy you say should be in jail now is corrupt, blah blah blah, and it's that his son is a bit of a shitbag, right? I mean that doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah, I, I, like as far as like Joe Biden is president. Yeah. Do I want Joe Biden as president? Well, that's a different set of questions. But do I not want him to be president because his son is a bit of a sleaze? Right. The counter would be that, well, Joe Biden was involved in this. He brought into it. It's like, guys, I need a little more evidence than what you've given me. Because I don't see that at all. I see his son may have introduced him. But where was the quid pro quo? Yeah. Do we see that this person had this Ukrainian person or this company 
was allowed to you know, march forward without sanction mm-hmm. and actually benefit from it because of Hunter Biden. I mean, I think the bottom line that anyone can see is Hunter Biden got a job he didn't deserve because he's a rich kid. Made a lot of money. Made a ton of money. Yeah. And he probably took that money and used a bunch of drugs. And now I don't want Joe Biden to be president. Yeah. It just doesn't really follow for no, me. No, it's grasping. And if anything, yeah. that could be the, the effect where it has a negative effect for the Trump people because it just seems like grasping. Yeah. Rather than seeming like a, a, a an actual political scandal. Don't tell me about the son. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the potential uh, president and former vice president. Yeah. Although the secondary scandal that resulted from all of this, the, the story was originally published in the New York Post. And initially, this story starts to trend on Twitter. I think it got yeah. as high as like three or four or something yeah. like that. But it wasn't long before both Facebook and Twitter decided to take specific action preventing or at least limiting the spread of this story by disallowing users from posting links to this article. And there is really two story angles here. One is this question about free speech and whether or not the platforms ought to be able to do this sort of thing Mm -hmm. at all. Conservatives have been clamoring for hearings, talking about Section 230 being revised, and we don't really have to get into that minutia right now. On the other side, Democrats who are applauding and in some cases applauding with kind of a cynical look on their face, the actions of these social media platforms, Mm -hmm. like it took you long enough. It Mm -hmm. took you long enough to decide to put a stop to propagating fake news or at least Mm -hmm. potentially fake news. And again, there are questions about the province and the credibility of the story, but it does seem rather odd that after four years of propagating nonsense stories about Russiagate, after the publication of the dossier by Ben Smith at the New York Times, yeah, who was uh, then at, at BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed. Yeah, yeah. and various other now debunked stories. I mean, the Cambridge Analytical story, which has the Cambridge Analytical story was fallen just, apart it was, at this point, yeah, there was which a, also happened in the uh, interregnum between podcast here. Yeah, in the past week or something, there was some yeah. report that said. You know, it didn't it it didn't hold up to what people suspected it was or mm-hmm. hold the initial claim. Which which actually, interestingly, it holds up to the original claims about Cambridge Analytica. If you go back and you look at reporting about Cambridge Analytica before Russiagate, it was yeah they claim to be doing all this important, sophisticated yeah. targeting stuff. Doesn't really seem like it does Doesn't, much yeah. of anything. And then no. suddenly, oh my God, Cambridge Analytica has super sophisticated algorithms and the Russians and Cambridge Analytica, they're using it to completely destroy Hillary Clinton on online. And now it turns out that it's just, it's mostly bunk. Yeah. And it plays into people who voted for Hillary Clinton or worked for Hillary Clinton or were big supporters of Hillary Clinton, uh, that she couldn't have possibly lost on her own right. merit. Right. So what we But need those stories to do- weren't limited. No, uh, but but it is it is important for people to rather than say we had the wrong candidate and we ran a bad campaign is to run a counter campaign for four years that if it wasn't for these nefarious uh, actors, if the you know FBI stuff hadn't happened a week before all this stuff, Hillary Clinton would have been president rather than, you know, it's like someone is sitting there after their spouses died, you know, drowning and you spend the next 10 years saying, what could I have done to save her? And that's what all this, all these stories are. Of mm-hmm. People saying, what could I have done to save her? Couldn't possibly be true that Americans wanted somebody as boorish and, and, and silly as Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. 
um, rather than going out and figuring what those issues were, which is people thinking that the Democratic Party was no longer a party of the working class and Donald Trump doing a better job of addressing the working class, doing a, a piss poor job of actually. Right. At least change, showing up changing, in certain places. Yeah. Showing yeah. up, doing a piss poor job of actually changing any of this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, f- I find the whole thing quite odd, particularly that these are the tech companies doing their own version of Citizens United. Mm hmm. We're like less than 30 days out from election, right? Let's do our Citizens United thing, which is preventing political ads right. X number of days before an election. Yeah. I mean, they're all spinning their wheels. They can't just say we're doing this for political reasons. Mm-hmm. And the way that they expose themselves of actually doing it for political reasons is the constant changing of stories. Right. I mean, the guy who the laptops changed stories too. Everyone's changing stories. Here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Twitter initially saying that if it's like purloined material. Right. We're not going to publish it. Right, right. It's, it was hacked. They obtained it surreptitiously. This so is therefore, wrong. We have a policy against this. Yes. So, Except, I mean, like Panama Papers. Panama you know, Papers. Like, ev- anything Glenn Greenwald has done. <laughs> everything. Everything. Yeah. You know, Trump's tax return. For you sure. Know, that's, that's a front page story in the New York Times multiple days. Mm-hmm. Those were not legally obtained. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I actually think is another rather um, sensationalized narrative. We can come back to that later. I don't think people will be surprised to discover that our perspectives on this are very similar yeah. and that in general, we believe that these companies do own these platforms sure. and have the right to limit speech as they see fit, even in political ways, they mm-hmm. have some right to do that. Now, there are laws <coughs> yeah. about the kind of campaign speech that can be expressed and how it ought to be mm-hmm. expressed, etc. I don't know that one could say that the publication of a particular news story by these services, if one wants to call it public publishing is actually that, but in either case they do have that right and ought to have that right. So one can feel that way Mm -hmm. that there ought not be, you know, a new battery of legislation giving the government the ability to regulate how these social media companies operate. And at the same time be disturbed Mm. by a development like this. Be yeah. disturbed that institutionally these companies have accepted the proliferation of a culture that allows for something like this to happen. What mm-hmm. seems to be explicitly politically motivated um, actions being taken to limit the spread of potentially damaging news against one candidate on the basis what of on the basis of on the basis of a policy that just is not being applied in any sort of way that could be deemed consistent yeah but so what the claim is 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 what that, that we well there's this it's different claims because facebook facebook said that we are going to have our third-party fact checkers investigate this to see if this is true how this is of course a huge question how this, how could they possibly it's ridiculous how could they possibly yeah. and twitter on the other hand as you mentioned underscored the nature of this content leak Mm -hmm. and the way the information was obtained. And they've actually subsequently, Jack Dorsey actually kind of freaked out about this um, and made some very public statements. And I think, you know, some people are perhaps uh, under the belief that, you know, from the top, this is like a coordinated effort by Facebook and Twitter to, to completely, you know, make certain that they tip the election for Trump. I'm less confident of that because I know I have a, I have a much better understanding than most people of how these policies get generated inside these organizations. Mm -hmm. And it is like a team that does this. 
They are yeah. they are hived off. It is not as though Jack Dorsey or Mark are calling into or Mark Zuckerberg on it's for his part mm-hmm. at Facebook are calling into these teams saying, Hey, that's bad news. We should do something about it. It doesn't suggest that politics doesn't play a part within those teams, but those teams have a lot of autonomy to do that work on their own. Those companies have a lot of responsibilities. But I think that executives I, do I think too. they might even be reacting to their own employees. And and I think they're also reacting to one another. Yeah. Like once Facebook does it. Yeah. The the notion does very quickly become, you know, well, shouldn't we do something? I mean, there's something wrong with this story. When the looting starts, the shooting starts. Yeah. Like Donald Trump tweeted. Mm-hmm. And there was an enormous push within Facebook and Twitter mm-hmm. to have that post either taken down, yeah. replaced, account locked, whatever, the president of the United yeah, yeah. States. Yeah, place some warning on it. Yeah. So at, when that sort of thing happens, of course, it's the uneven application of this stuff when people are encouraging looting for instance or Mm -hmm. rioting or hashtagging of the stuff like let's get these riot kind of hashtags going or uprisings or whatever you could say that that's material or intellectual support for such uh, a thing should these accounts be be blocked I mean clearly they're not being Mm -hmm. so clearly it's a kind of unidirectional uh, policy right They, they doubled Back, they they went back on that a little bit, and I think they changed their explanation for why um, it was taken offline. But the other thing about it is that the Section 230 stuff is that they have been arguing for years, very forcefully, and with a lot of money behind lobbyists, that they cannot be held accountable for what the people who are using their platform tweet, right? And now they seem to abandon that, right? They can't like it's 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 like that's the New York Post is tweeting that. Argue it out. Let's see what happens. There's been so much pressure. This is government. They don't have to legislate. Right. Mm-hmm. They can mount enormous amounts of pressure through hearings, through public shamings and the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And the deliberation inside of organizations like Facebook and Twitter are like this is going to make us look really bad. You know, if if Joe Biden loses this election, we don't want to be the ones that are going to be the ones like, you know, you took those Facebook ads from Russia before and you're the reason he's right. he's president. I think that you're right about people not thinking in that way. Like, let's make sure Trump loses. I mean, there's probably people that think that, of course. Sure. But I think that the, the, the motivation for this right. um, is a number of people involved in making a really stupid decision, a mm-hmm. really, really bad decision. Um, and, you know, they can do whatever the fuck they want, but... It's not bad for it's not good for anybody. Yeah, that they've chosen this path. A White House press secretary has her account locked for sharing a news story in a major national newspaper. It, what if everything we know about that is true? Right, everything you know about the story is true. I'm not saying it is. I have mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of skepticism about it. But let's say that that's true. Mm-hmm. Right? Everyone's talking about you know, you know, disinformation, Russians, but. We don't know anything about that. Mm-hmm. We're assuming because we've spun ourselves up for four years, you know, back to the Maddow conversation, that Russia will do anything to undermine American democracy, and that includes hacking somebody like like uh, Bo Biden's or uh, Joe Biden's um, uh, Hunter. Sorry, <laughs> Hunter <laughs> Biden's emails. Excuse yeah. me, um, and then releasing them before the election. Mm-hmm. Th- they believe themselves to be the guardians of democracy, right? They are believing all of the power that has been given to them by politicians and by yeah. partisan people, yeah. which I don't believe they have, particularly when you see the numbers of people who actually engaged with the you know, GRU 
FSB, uh, you know, Lubyanka uh, internet troll farm. Yeah. Post like that, that, that hundreds of people, 800 people, a thousand people, whatever it might be, who are interacting with this stuff. It's like, why are we pretending that this actually uh, moved the election right. significantly? It's impossible to quantify. I mean, that's what it is. They're haunted me. by the proposition yes. that they were responsible that's for this why they because don't. of the coverage of yes. the emails, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, they want to do this again. Yeah. But there's a substantial difference that had to do with Hillary Clinton as an elected official. Um, you know, trying to skirt FOIA laws or whatever, mm-hmm. and somebody's kind of ne'er do well son. Yeah, these are different categories. Yeah, They're different things. But yet they want to stop that because they've decided what in in a split second decision that right. that New York Post had been taken in by Russian propaganda. Yeah, maybe they have. A rather pointless scandal has now been turned into a very hot issue, mm-hmm. one that the Trump campaign. And Republicans broadly are eager to rush towards, which has nothing to do with whether or not the story is actually true and everything to do with whether or not the president is being treated fairly and whether or not these social media organizations are hostile to Republicans broadly. Mm -hmm. Is there any part of you that worries about the world that we live in now and the degree to which Twitter and Facebook have extraordinary power? I was talking to someone recently about Xi Jinping. And him being thrown off of Weibo or some other platform, you can't imagine a world in which that happens. Any ideas you may have about who has power in China, it's very obvious. The power is with the government. Yeah. But here, the president tweets something and it's blocked. Yeah. His account can be locked. He, He can have special messages associated with his tweet saying, hey, don't believe this bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. Is this something that concerns you at all? Do you yes. think about like the, the need for additional regulation? I don't think of a need of regulation. Uh, I, I know people in the Valley who do believe that this yeah. ought to happen. I also know people in the Valley who have said explicitly the only way to fix this problem, I'm using air quotes here, is with more tech. I, I don't know how you'd regulate this decision from happening. It would be some pretty onerous regulation that you can imagine is applied to other situations that the people pushing the regulations would ultimately dislike. Mm. And that's where people never think this stuff through. Wait, it's going to come after me yeah. after I have used this to my own benefit. What worries me about it is not that the companies themselves are full of CEOs and CFOs and CTOs and all these people, you know, heads of HR that want to destroy this information and mm-hmm. want to, to prevent you know, Joe Biden from losing or having anything that could potentially harm his candidacy. It's the thing that worries me about it is the same thing I see all over the place is the teachers being afraid of the pupils. Mm -hmm. A lot of this is coming from 22 year old employees. You know, this is a lot of this is coming from people just out of college who have grown up in an era where they realize they believe that there are true things and false things, right? right? There's right. fake news and there's real news. There's disinformation, propaganda, and there's the stuff that I believe. And there's views that are so odious that they have to be taken off a platform. There were multiple meetings, and this has been reported inside Spotify, um, about Joe, the existence of Joe Rogan on their network. Yeah, Spotify, I mean... yeah. The shit that you can find on there when it's music, sexist stuff, racist <laughs> stuff, whatever. They're going to take like two live crew records off there. Yeah. But it's not the Tipper Gores, these outside agitators mm-hmm. who are saying this stuff is not good for our kids. It's the kids. Right. 
who are saying this in, stuff inside is the company. Good yeah. for us. We've been going after Rogan. Yeah. And, yeah, and there's like these instincts. Like there was a guy who was beheaded in a mm-hmm. Paris suburb mm-hmm. for showing the Charlie Hebdo cartoons, and the response to a couple of crude drawings is to chop somebody's head off. The response to that from the New York Times was really astonishing. And I, I don't want to find the stuff and you can read it yourself. Go f- look at how the uh, New York Times headlines and subheads handled this thing. I saw that and I was like, oh, it's the same thing. It's young people instinct. The instinct from people like, oh, there's an Islamist terror attack against these cartoonists, which American pen decided were racist and not worthy of, of protection or their own sympathy. Uh, so now we have a thing where the New York Times, it's so seeped into the culture. Their subhead was something to the effect of uh, the teachers already being portrayed as a free speech martyr. Already. The implication of that already. Doing a lot of lifting in that sentence. The victim was immediately depicted as a martyr depicted. to freedom of expression. France's anti-terrorism prosecutors yeah. are investigating the attack, which took place in a suburb north of Paris. That is remarkable. One more time. What was it? The victim? The victim was immediately depicted as De- a imme- martyr to freedom imme- of expression. <laughs> he was Jeez. literally beheaded in the street by a psychopath Islamist. The original headline was was people criticized that even before that. That was a, there was a changed headline yeah, there. Yeah, that it was like the headline was, is now is is French police fatally shoot man who behead teacher on the street, which is you know, I, which pretty, is also a funny pretty above bit. board, but it's above careful. board. But it's like the fact that the police shot him should not be what you're leading with. Yeah, it should be like man beheads somebody. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Well, you can you don't have to think too hard to imagine like dynamics that might have changed this. If yeah. if this were say that was the changed headline in American. Right? Yeah, if there's were an American city and there were a police officer involved in the shooting of a black man or in fact if there was a white man involved with the shooting of a black man you would expect the race of both people to Mm -hmm. be reported and perhaps some other speculation about the role of race racial injustice various social inequities structural racism and various other things would all receive mentions in the headline and subhead yeah, strenuous. I mean, in the, it's in mor- the moral clarity. The reason that I point that out is that we're in a situation now where this is the kind of normal headline that you're going to get in the New York Times, which is <laughs> the kind of normal abnormal. Yeah, yeah the normal abnormal headline you're going to get in the New York Times. We're dealing with news organizations. We're dealing with tech companies who have very different types of employees these days. Mm-hmm. So rather than you know the Tipper Gores, as I said before coming after you and then that you know the sony executives would be like fuck you guys tipper gore fuck you you censorious you know religious right yeah now it's like oh these are our employees are actually saying we can't publish woody allen's book right we're gonna walk out lest we have to publish a book with somebody who is cleared of a certain charge but we feel might be guilty of this charge so therefore we shouldn't publish this book this is publishing mm-hmm. pen the free speech organization saying we're not going to celebrate or say anything nice about the Charlie Hebdo people because they were mean about they were, immigrant they were community. Punching down. They were punching down, etc. I mean, it moves so fast. Mm-hmm. 25 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, it was all pretty similar. You'd, you'd expect bias here, bias there. But there is this instinct now um, within uh, you know, news organizations. Do not platform somebody. Right. You know, there was a there was a hashtag uh, cancel MSNBC. 
Did you see this? No. Or, or is canceled on MSNBC or t- when they announced that they were doing a town hall with Donald Trump. He's the fucking president. <laughs> and by the way, again, big props to Savannah Guthrie for doing her job the way she should do it. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Republicans, instead of bitching about that, do, as I said, bitch about people actually doing the same thing on their side. That is the standard you want, hers. Guthrie also interviewed Joe Biden, and there's this video of her interrogating him about the situation with Hunter. And, and she did a good situation. job there. She, she did. She was but, the only person who asked about it. But the tone. He said, he said, he's, look at the, she the said, tone and the nature of the smart. interaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, no, sure. She's yeah, yeah. careful. Yeah. She actually seems pained to have to be doing this to yeah. pursue it no, just get, yeah, a no, little bit that. further. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. And I'm, I, for me, I'm not saying I get that from her. I get your point. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's kind of like, fuck that. Yeah. Fuck yeah. that. Savage him. Yeah. Go after him. Yeah. Punish his ass. Punish Joe Biden every opportunity you get for running away from the record that he has embraced forever, that he has always been against this criminal justice reform business, that he's never met a tough-on-crime law Mm -hmm. that he didn't like before a couple of minutes ago. This is a change of heart. Why should anyone trust you? Punish him for the decades that he spent in government not accomplishing the things that he is promising mm-hmm. to do now. I think it is it is imperative to the extent we're able to fix all of the many things that are, are, are wrong in this country. And I, I actually just uh, reread um, Revolt of the Public, which is a book that I think is actually... Oh, yeah, like, I got to get that. Yeah, Absolutely indispensable. This beautiful um, Stripe Press edition, which was published last year, I believe. The book is attempting to explain... What is happening around the world with respect to this rise of nationalism and this general surge of dissatisfaction in democracies? These waves of this somewhat illiberal, to be, yes, to be undemocratic clear. sentiment. And, and I by the way, actually just to, desperately want to get him on the podcast. We should. And just to be clear, future. it is right that the book came out in 2014. Prior oh, to Donald right. Trump. So this Stripe Press edition. Well, he updated right. it because it was so prescient about Brexit. Yeah. And uh, Trump in 2018. So it's called The Revolt of the Public and the yeah. Crisis of Authority by Martin Gurry. Um, I actually yeah. don't even remember why I mentioned the book, but I'm sad that I haven't mentioned it before because I remember reading it a mm-hmm. year ago and having revisited it recently, I'm just reminded yeah, of just how, how pressing it is. And it, I think it is probably the single best book for distilling some of the fundamental dynamics that are driving a lot of our politics right now. And he he does a great job, I think, of actually prescribing some things with respect to what ought to happen. And that is why I arrived here, because Mm -hmm. I do think that contempt for the elites in public office is appropriate, especially the elites who are immodest and mm-hmm. are making ridiculous promises that simply can't be sustained, who have continued to disappoint over and over and over again in profound and substantial ways. I think holding them to account for that is imperative. I think that's part of what allows the fever to break and Americans to be a bit more sane about mm-hmm. what they expect and want from their government. And it's part of why I think oftentimes my own like sentiments about Donald Trump have been confused and it turns into this well you're engaging in what about is and why are you excusing the bad things that he does and it's less that i do think that the things are awful i think 
pointing out the fact that everyone does it is in order to underscore just how rotten the foundation of the building is Mm -hmm. and how substantial the renovation work that needs to take place is. You don't just switch contractors and keep the same plan or have them work on the same thing that they were doing before. Like a bunch of shit is wrong to the extent things are wrong and Donald Trump is doing things wrong. He's often doing precisely the same kinds of things wrong. It's, it's how you get a scandal on the southern border because there is a genuine immigration crisis and we have shit immigration policy and the result of that policy is kids ending up in cages and you get the photos and the photos are presumed to be representations of what's happening under the trump administration when in fact they're photos of what happened under the obama administration which is not to say that trump isn't sort of proud of the awful things Mm -hmm. that happen on the southern border. In fact, when you find out about it, he wants to beat his chest and tells you that (laughs) that he's tough on immigrants. When the Obama administration is engaged in this and these bad things are happening, they try to obfuscate it. They're they're somewhat embarrassed. I mean, that's the the smear of respectability. It's at the least, embarrassment. At least, at it's least the embarrassment for their bullshit yeah. that that promote that causes them that to lie yeah. in a somewhat more respectable way, or at least a more convincing way. I shouldn't use the word respectable when it comes to lying, but I, I want people to to actually have a real gag reflex at that kind of ordinary corruption that pervades our politics and our political institutions which are, have just failed profoundly. I think they failed. Two, yeah. Like in the Russia, Russia investigation, sure. they failed profoundly. When yes. a piece of Russian propaganda becomes the centerpiece of a years-long campaign. We think it is. To we get rid know. of the, yeah. the president of the United yeah. States. At least in part it is. The, the skill dossier <laughs> was, had like, there's so many things that were At never least confirmed in, in there. But, it, but yeah. it, it is interesting to think that um, I talked to Adam Schiff the other day, and I didn't get a chance to get to this because we we're talking about other things. Um, that the man who railed against Russian disinformation might have used as a centerpiece of his, even read into the record by, I believe, by Adam Schiff, the Steele dossier might have itself been a bit of Russian disinformation, mm-hmm. which shows you, again, don't trust any of these people. And I think that the whataboutism stuff, okay, sure, you can say that, but maybe, just maybe, if we engage in enough of this stuff, we can hold people to a standard that they will apply to everybody. Let's mm-hmm. let's hope this is the case. You know, Donald Trump has so deformed American politics, mm-hmm. and it was deformed before, but the way we prosecute American politics has been so deformed, and I, I really just loathe the man, and I don't want him to be the president. You know, journalists essentially say we have to get rid of him. Right. Then we can get back to normal. And, and it excuses, it excuses then, almost anything. Yes. And it induces a sort of sloppiness. But it also, it also allows journalists yeah. to puff themselves up to a point that they believe that they actually have that sort of power. Mm-hmm. I haven't read Martin Gurry's book. I, mm-hmm. After you told me about it, I listened to a podcast with him. And he puts a lot of emphasis on social media, mm-hmm. which, of course, a lot of the social media stuff is based on actual, you know, real media accounts of things. And so that stuff gets, does get out there and has a significant impact mm-hmm. on people. But I think that the, the press in general in D.C. overvalues its influence on the average American's mm-hmm. way of thinking. And they say, if we only do this, if we only show up Donald Trump at every possible point, if we only, and this will be the interesting thing that happens after this election, Donald Trump is going to probably lose this election. It looks that way right now. 
is two things that I'm going to be really following closely. What happens to the Republican Party? Do they snap back and become the previous Republican Party? They remain like a sort of nationalist populist movement. Mm-hmm. That's number one. And number two, does the press, and I know the answer to this one, does the press um, you know, get into, accept the habits that they've gotten into of constantly putting editorial comments into chirons, into headlines, Somebody says something without evidence. Mm-hmm. Somebody said something that's unsubstantiated. Somebody said something, and like this is in the news stories, right? Right. They're telling us that this stuff isn't true. Okay, fine. Let's keep doing it. So mm-hmm. if you're going to do that, and you know, Joe Biden says, you know, I never said X or Y. I've never even seen X or Y. He says, which can be contradicted by the the public record. Mm-hmm. Are you going to write that into your stories now? I don't think you will. Yeah. And you know what that does? That erodes credibility of the press even more. So when you put the press out there, because adversarial as it is, I don't mind this. No. Yeah. The I adversar- think it's good. I want that. I want I like to keep it. it. I like to keep it. Yeah. I like when they fuck with Trump. I like when they Savannah Guthrie punches him in the face. I like all this stuff, even mm-hmm. if it's unfair. I'm like, well, they, the, the job of other people in the press is to point out that it's unfair. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be fair all the time. Sure. I mean, that's not like, sure. But if they do this, right? If they establish themselves in such a way that we are the guardians of truth, that we are the ones that are going to constantly keep Donald Trump on his back heels, he's going to be a one-term president just like George H.W. Bush and Jimmy Carter. Um, you know, this is a thing that doesn't happen very much. He's going to be a one-term president because of our intervention. They will believe this. They believe that, you know, Hillary Clinton lost because, you know, they reported the emails too much, right? Mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of other structural problems there that they're ignoring. I think that's exactly but right. But yeah. if they do that and then they double back on it, my God, do you think the crisis that we're already having with the fake news and the press is this, the press is that, this divided country that we have, this, you know, poison politics is going to get less poisoned? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, guys, for four years, I saw this amazing kind of activism from the press and it just disappears. No, 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 no. Keep up the, you know, punching. Keep up. Like you're doing it in one direction now because they want Joe Biden to win Mm -hmm. and they want some normalcy to to return to the country. I don't think that's too surprising. Mm -hmm. People have their political instincts. I'm not shocked by it. Mm -hmm. I'm not even bummed out by it. I don't care. I don't, I don't care. You like, let's be more like the British press. Fine. You know, I just don't like people used to say all the time about Fox News. The thing that I hate about Fox News is not their shows. Not this. I remember this all the time. It's 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 kind of disappeared. But it was it was that they said it's fair and balanced. Mm-hmm. They said we report, you decide. That's yeah. not true. Yeah, it's absurd. It's absurd. So like yeah, like yeah, no, of course. In, in, in Do same- more of that. Yeah, not less of it. Don't yeah. pretend that you're going to be. Well, we're not. We don't have any bias. We're doing what mm-hmm. we. What we see out there, we're just reporting it. It just happens to be the truth. You mm-hmm. know, come on. No, no. Be be punchy. Be be obnoxious. Do what you do, but yeah. apply it evenly. Is that a lot to ask? Yeah. I mean, you don't have to be. You don't have to be objective and and sort of perfectly fair in order to be careful and sort of serious sure. about your reporting. I mean, I we uh, I mentioned earlier. Well, there's a couple of things here, and and I want to be sure I get this out there because someone listening may feel weird about it. You know, you introduce a foreign object into the body, the body responds in a particular way. You know, your white blood cells go a bit haywire and they are going to attack this foreign object. They may also start to attack other normal parts Adjacent of your body objects and yeah, yeah. like sort of fuck you up in yeah. a severe way. Yes. Could be that something is wrong with you. 
that is more fundamental than even this foreign object that's been introduced. And I think that is precisely what we've seen with Donald Trump, the various institutions, the the agencies, certainly the media broadly. And I would say that the populace as a whole, like has responded in ways that are often irrational, unhelpful Mm -hmm. and harmful. And that is on top of the various things that he does that are again, also unhelpful, but it's the obliviousness to that dynamic that concerns me. It's right and good to point out that when the president is talking about locking up his political opponents, that that's not what we do in this country, yeah, no, right? That's a bad thing. <laughs> no, it's not um, it's also that. worth acknowledging that many people on the left are thirsty. They're desperate to see him pushed out of office and mm-hmm. pushed directly into a courtroom in New York to mm-hmm. be prosecuted for whatever. Like, really, whatever. Mm-hmm. From their standpoint, he's like, he's guilty of so much. It's just like, he should go to jail. It, <laughs> that's where our politics is. It's not, Donald Trump didn't do that. It is happening as a result of him being introduced into the system. But it's not even like this is the beginning. Mm-hmm. Every single Republican presidential candidate and president in my lifetime has been a monster, a vicious, dangerous monster who ought to be locked away, who hates women and is actually a racist. And mm-hmm. perhaps they all are. But I, look, but, I mean, I, the question is, that's it's, a a, it's a counterfactual, question. but it's like, yeah. you know, without Trump, where would we be? I mean, I think that that anybody who saw the intellectual trends within the university is a mm-hmm. good example, a good place to start, is that would have seen that we were trending in a direction that the madness was gripping the elites, mm-hmm. the sort of wealthy, these are not working class people, wealthy people that were going to elite universities yeah. and had the money for this. And had the money to fuck around and be journalists, right? Mm-hmm. They couldn't just move to the most expensive city in America, if not the world, and get paid $30,000 a year to write hot takes. Yeah. That's a certain type of person, right? And that those types of people, not all of them, but there's a certain a significant number of them, there was a moment in which I saw a change, right? Mm-hmm. We're back to the early 90s. We're back to this moment that the university is churning out incredibly political people who believe something very different this time around. Mm -hmm. And that different thing is, you sent me a story that I guess it was Shelby Steele had Mm -hmm. a documentary or something that uh, Amazon Prime wouldn't allow to be shown Mm -hmm. um, or took off their platform or something. And the opposite of that is the number of ordinary corporations who are saying, by the way, you know, we have a seven pack of Hanes briefs on sale for eight dollars, and uh, you know, if you buy them and swipe your card, we'll give you a copy of Ibram X. Kendi's book right. about how to make your baby into yeah. Malcolm X. Yeah, it's it's infiltrated almost every element of life. Right, and so I think that like we're at this moment where our politics, you know, Trump goes away. He's a symptom of a lot of things, mm-hmm. but he goes away in the rottenness is going to remain right particularly because i think that that what what i've seen recently this particularly this, this idea of like platforming people mm-hmm. you know don't platform the president on M- msnbc he's the president right and, and you know putting him out there by the way these people often misunderstand because they're so afraid of donald trump and what happened in 2016 they do, they tend to forget that donald trump has four years of being the president which is actually not good for him, right. which he didn't have previously, yeah. which made him a bit of a funny kind of throwaway vote. Holy shit, did he just win? Yeah. And now it's a slightly different dynamic and you have a, somebody, see somebody who's 10 points down nationally, mm-hmm. sometimes 12 points, sometimes 14 points. But you know, the, the, the gap has been pretty consistent. No matter what happens, law and order stuff, Kenosha burns, 
And holy shit, the swing state of, of, of Wisconsin, which Donald Trump won by a hair. Yeah. And by the way, won by about one point in Kenosha County. And, you know, Hillary Clinton, of course, didn't go to Michigan, Pennsylvania, in Wisconsin, which doomed her more than any fucking front page story in the New York Times about emails and the FBI, which most people didn't really understand or care about. But what happened in Wisconsin after the, the, the Jacob Blake stuff and the rioting and the burning and the looting? You know, Joe Biden went up three or four points in Wisconsin. It's not what we think it is. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a very, very different world that we're living in. And I just, I, my fear in all of this stuff is that Trump disappears. Mm-hmm. The politics of Trump, not on the right, right, but on the left, uh-huh. remain. Yeah. The politics of Donald Trump on the right are impossible to recreate. Right. I mean, you've seen these people, Senator Kennedy in Louisiana doing his Trump impressions, all these people doing their, their Trump impressions, yeah. right? Trump goes you away. You can't sustain that absent you Trump. You cannot. Yeah. You cannot. And, there, and there's no ideological character. core there. None. At all. Zero. Yeah. Absolutely fucking zero. The only thing he knows is he hates China and he hates free trade. Yeah. And that's it. Beyond that, there's no core and he will change on a dime. And if his, if his uh, you know, advisors say, this is what going to get the biggest applause line. And he says, you know, lock up, you know, and pick somebody out of how lock up Ellen DeGeneres. And there's a huge, you know, enormous roar of applause. He'll use that for fucking 10 nights in a row. The man has no principles. He has no core. He has no ideology. Conservatives have embarrassed themselves, debased themselves, destroyed their movement in so many ways which had an ideological core that was beyond based something beyond power mm-hmm. and where do we go from here it, that's hard to sustain the counter trump movement is going to remain mm-hmm. and that instinct of like hey th- this is the correct view on you can ask Siri mm-hmm. and it's going to tell you what yeah. you're supposed to hear in 2020. I do wonder, and it's a conversation I've been having more frequently with people who are like us, who are in media um, and who are concerned about some of these social dynamics that are happening. And folks who are listening are probably familiar with many of the folks I'm, I'm referring to. Um, and not, not because it's a secret, but just because it <laughs> would be difficult to name all the people I've been talking to about this stuff. Um, one of the conversations I've been having more frequently is about, well, you know, how important is this trend? How total is the corruption of elite institutions? How, how much sway do anti-racist ideas have on campus and, you know, in newsrooms, et cetera, et cetera? What percentage of people actually buy this stuff? There's a sense in which it's very hard to know mm-hmm. for sure, but there are presumptions about it that I find a little bit disturbing. And someone asked me, a, a smart informed person I was talking to asked me, you know, what do you, what do you see yourself as doing? Do you imagine yourself as a member of the King's guard guarding the city from these invading hordes, just drooling Mm. idiots who just want to burn everything to the ground. The beautiful world that, that Martin Luther King and Susan B. Anthony helped create for us where we worry about genuine equality and we prize a meritocratic ideal that is imperfectly represented in the world for various reasons, but we still prize it. It's what we value. The genuine liberalism as Barry Weiss, who is writing again, has a beautiful piece in tablet. I believe it's stop being shocked. shocked, You should go read it. Um, Those values, like, are you a member of the King's guard defending the city 
where that still reigns supreme? Or are you a member of some insurgency, a fifth column, if you will, <laughs> that is trying to Who un- knew the undermine, name of this, this podcast would be so prescient? Yeah, that is trying to undermine people who seized control. Yeah. And who are doing all sorts of dastardly things. And you are part of this ragtag A team like clique that is trying to push back. And my very quick answer was it's both things. Mm-hmm. It's both things. In, in a very real sense, I think that the people are with us, so to speak. I'm not a huge fan of democracy, but I'll put it in that way. <laughs> I have weird politics, people. The people are with us. I think most people still hold to those values and still believe in those liberal ideals that Barry describes in her piece and that I just alluded to. Um, and they believe in them in a very real, deep, meaningful sense. I think more so than they're committed to any idea like free speech. People like the idea of regulating certain kinds of speech, especially mm-hmm. speech they don't like. They really they're do. into it. Like there are very few people who are more like so now yeah. actual free speech purists. Yes. But the, the notion that, well, you, I mean, racism is kind of gross. That's a despicable idea. You're not supposed to discriminate against people. They inherently believe this and they have a gag reflex against it. Those are our central ideals. And I think most people believe that. So in that respect, if you want to shake them out of their slumber and say, hey, some people who don't believe that are kind of trying to fuck things up for the rest of us. Mm -hmm. And we ought to pay attention to what they're doing and we should push back against it forcefully. And when you see it in your workplace and someone says something that you think is dodgy or there's some diversity and inclusion training that you think is dodgy, you should say something and and you should all say something. And in the other respect, I do think in elite institutions and various publications, New York Times, like a lot of other ones, even the Wall Street Journal, there are a lot of people who are sort of newly woke and who are completely seduced by, believe in practitioners of, um, prophets of the new religion of anti-racism, mm-hmm. which is fundamentally about a redefinition of what it means to discriminate. Now, discrimination is like actual discrimination is anti-discrimination. Like the appropriate policy from an Ibram Kennedy perspective is whatever policy results in equivalent outcomes for blacks and whites, equality of outcomes as opposed to equality of mm-hmm. opportunity and equality under the law. The only kind of equality that matters is one that produces the same results for all kinds of people. And I don't know what the numbers are in terms of what the New York, the actual breakdown, the New York Times newsroom is like what percentage of people there like actually feel uncomfortable with the way that things are playing out. But I don't imagine that it's like 50, 50, and I don't even imagine that it's like think of the 30, word. 30, thirty percent of folks think of the word that who you're feel using that there. way. Think of the word that you're using there, and this is the nub of all of our problems with this: is you don't imagine, mm-hmm. and the reason you don't imagine is because you can't know because people won't talk. Exactly, they're 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 this terrified. Is, this is a problem, and and I I worry. Well, the, the, just to put a, a period on it, I'm worried that by engaging in a sort of threat inflation. Mm-hmm. We're actually promoting a perception of the power of these people to completely yeah. destroy you and obliterate you yeah. when in fact they don't have that power. The recent developments at Spotify mm-hmm. and at Coinbase, when people have pushed back against these cultural conflicts and rebellions within their ranks. And the, the Coinbase thing was not narrowly about race, as it was reported in the Washington Post somewhat erroneously. It was broader than that. 
um, they've they've sort of won those battles. Like people left Coinbase. There's been some reporting about it from outside, mm-hmm. but they've asserted their values, and their values are: look, we build shit that changes the world. That's what we do here. That's our job. It's not our responsibility as a company to represent particular political ideals that are important to you. You know, we've got these values. Those are the ones that we are, are talking about. But for the most part, when you come to Coinbase and you work here, you're what? building revolutionary is, is technology. That's how we change the world. So and at Spotify, crazy. they say, Joe Rogan like, works here. We put out this content. If you don't like it, find someplace else to work. In both instances, they actually say like those rebellions that. effectively. They did actually take and, some of Rogan's stuff off of their archives. Didn't well, they? no, actually, did that not um, happen? That, was that it wrong? wasn't. Yeah, that it was wasn't that okay. way. They didn't do it. Like he didn't bring some of it. Okay. Um, and I think it's. I think it's Got what's it. interesting here is, and again, I don't expect all these things to play out in that way. And that doesn't suggest that some people won't like find themselves being savaged publicly mm. and potentially losing their job for saying things. James Damore, for example, um, for being somewhat heterodox in the wrong places. Mm. But I do think it is the case that most people have an expectation of their own destruction associated with holding the wrong ideas, quote unquote, wrong ideas publicly or in the context of their place of employment. And I think that that is a bad thing. Once you give them an inch, they feel empowered, they're emboldened, and they're going to take more and they're going to do more. And your entire place of employment, your company, your, your organization, your publication just sinks into this miasma of constant witch hunts and purification campaigns to create this sanctified temple of wokeness where only the morally upright can stand and only moral clarity can help to fill our pages where you're properly prioritizing the BIPOCs and you're properly protecting just the other fact that we know classes. what that that acronym uh-huh. means uh-huh. says a lot and demonizing <laughs> the white male cisgender patriarchy and we have to center the black people and center the awfulness of slavery when we talk about the history of the united states and when i say awfulness of slavery i'm not talking about the whole institution which is older than writing i narrowly am referring to its practice here in the united states mm-hmm. almost as if it begun there yeah, I mean, I mean, there's it's a lot. Was well, well, a lot. I don't want to get. I mean, I know we're probably running short on time, but a, a few quick uh, things, if I can go through, if I remember them. The one thing <laughs> I, I, when I think of the Coinbase thing is like, why does it? People are like, I have to leave this job. I'm not allowed to talk about you know the legacy of slavery or something when I'm doing things about <laughs> about uh, Bitcoin, which I think there's a guy who wrote me. And I get back to him and he was like, hey, I, we, you got a house. I run an HVAC uh, company in, in, I think, in upstate New York, maybe in Dutchess County or something. Not out by you, but if you need any advice. Incredibly nice email. Thank you so much for it. I and mean, I will get in touch. Does his company have uh, politics on, you know, I don't know, race relations? Does the HVAC company in, in, in Dutchess County have that? Because if it does and doesn't, why should Bitcoin have one or Spotify and not them? Spotify is a little more understandable because there's someone talking about politics on their platform. I get that. Mm-hmm. Not so with fucking cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make a ton of sense. Uh, to the point also of that, are we 
inflating this in some sense and actually give, empowering these people. I think there is probably some truth to that. But we ask so little these days to be able to reference a different political worldview. Mm-hmm. That that is the kind of pivot point that can get people in trouble is terrifying and should be terrifying to everybody. It's not about one worldview. It's about the fact that politics has seeped into every aspect of life. I, you know, it's 11 o'clock on Saturday night. I saw right. some Twitter hashtag right. pop up about Saturday Night Live and presumably there'll be somebody making some sort of speech tonight. I, right. I, I don't know who's on. I don't know what it is, but I'm just going to say it's probably going to happen. It's a comedy <laughs> show that will deal with politics, but I think it's going to be some serious moment of somebody doing a, a political speech at, at some point during the broadcast. A comedy show in quotes. Yeah, but you know, I don't know. I'm sort of baffled by what has happened, the speed of, with which it's happened. And the fact that in uh, corporate environments, th- everybody is now an expert on an issue that, for instance, you have been thinking about, writing about, talking about, podcasting about, doing television about for the better part of a couple of decades, right? And so it is one of those issues that if there was a controversy in, I don't know, you know, COVID in the application of treatments or something, you're going to see some people come out and say, well, hydrochloroquine does not like, are you a doctor? Mm-hmm. Well, Trump is another. I know. That's why I don't fucking listen to Trump either. But some people will make those big grants. Most people didn't, though. Mm-hmm. You didn't have friends saying, well, you know what you should actually do? Here's Remdesa, blah, blah, blah. People weren't <laughs> doing that. But with race is a great thing because it's one of those things you almost have to know nothing about to slap people around moral high horse telling people what the correct thing is and it empowers you by telling people that they're bad this is something we're realizing more and more it's pretty obvious to most people but the liberating uh, feeling that people get when they all of a sudden transform their instagram feeds <laughs> to all text that used to be their fluffy little bunny and now it's all text about and usually a quote from Angela Davis or some shit like that. And it's like, did you know of Angela Davis uh, being the vice presidential candidate for the Communist Party twice in the past, you know, three or four decades? Did you know about her hanging out in East Germany with Eric Honecker, or accepting prizes in, in the Soviet Union and all this stuff? No, no, no. But she has this great quote and everyone knows that I'm a good person now. And if you were to chime in in those comments mm-hmm. and say, hey, blah, blah, the, the ferocity with which you it's it's almost like when I'm you know doing shit in this house right building stuff and doing stuff and then I have someone come over and give me a quote and they say hey did you do that blank and I'm like yeah and they're like you fucked that up like here's what you should have done and I'm like oh oh yeah oh no I'm just doing this off of YouTube and I'm like kind of embarrassed like, <laughs> if you do that with politics the response is a series of words it's like you, you know it's like one of those drums that has the ping pong balls in it for a mm-hmm. fucking bingo lotto and you do it and one thing comes out and it says, cis, okay, well, the next one is privileged. It is this, and it's not an actual argument, right? Mm-hmm. But this empowers people, not because it's difficult to challenge. It isn't difficult to challenge. But when you do challenge it, it's almost like denying that you're an alcoholic means you're an alcoholic. That's the thing that they teach us yeah. is that the second you deny it, it means you have a problem. Like the second you push back on it, like, aha, mm-hmm. you with your privilege, you would say this because, and it's, you cannot have an honest debate anymore 
I used to talk to people about these things. I used to talk to people about, you know, the data on criminal justice and criminal justice reform, the data on X, Y, or Z, the most recent literature on X, Y, or Z. And you'd have a good conversation about it. People come with a different perspective. They'd say, well, I read, you know, I, I read a dissent magazine and you maybe on, uh, you know, reading too much reason or something. Yeah. And you'd have this really interesting exchange of ideas. There's no ideas anymore. There's phrases and slogans. And mm-hmm. we're in this kind of world in which if I were to go into a, you know, a meeting at a job in which I was not allowed to freely expose, because expose is probably the right word, mm. expose my politics, I didn't expect I'd lose that debate. Mm-hmm. I only kind of bring things up in, in situations like this when I know I know what I'm talking about. I try not to fucking, you know, bullshit too much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I too much. But be kind of prepared for it. But it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. The point is not like I'm going to win on points, you know. You're just going to be ganged up on, bullied, and, 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 and you know, told to get the fuck out because you have retrograde ideas that are somehow tied to your identity. Mm-hmm. In this process of not you know, discriminating against people or having these ideas about people because of their identities. Mm-hmm. The counterpoint is always you, your ideas are because, because of your own identity. Right. As a privileged honky from blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. These are all pretty basic points. I get that. But it's frustrating nevertheless because I don't see this stuff going away. Yeah. I, I, I see it really digging its heels in because a good place like that is the New York Times. The paper that apparently does not have an interest to speaking to anyone outside of the 11238 yeah. uh, zip code. Yeah. And it's just a bizarre thing to behold and it just depresses me. Yeah, I don't I don't see them going away either. I also don't think that they they the the seizure of power is total uh, in any way shape or form. I don't no, think those ideas are right. sort of yeah. safely um, enmeshed in all of the things. I think they can be dislodged, but you actually have to dislodge them. Like one, one has to make a forceful counter argument. One can't accept the bullshit premises. You, you must suggest. No, no my my identity has nothing to fucking do with it. It's the like, least those, interesting thing about it. those. Th- these these are ideas. I'm making an argument, and yeah. you, on the other hand, haven't made one, or your argument is deficient in these ways. And it it does matter. And I think again, the, the if the dynamic was such that people were speaking out and people felt well-informed enough to do it and felt as though they knew they would be co-signed yeah. when someone else um, does it, uh, I think that the dynamic would be quite different. And uh, I do think that there's yeah. something to be said for, you know, the to the extent the companies, the companies that are not em- embroiled in this nonsense and don't find themselves in a position where they're constantly having to carry out these crusades to purify themselves to get rid of the the wrong thinkers responding to the latest phrases because again it's no one idea and the public isn't really about the social media dynamic so much as the availability of information and the degree to which that changes the the nature of the relationship between the people and the elites and helps to foment a, a kind of persistent dissatisfaction um, because it exposes the depth of failures. And the fact that there is also this social media dynamic is important because it helps to give rise to these suddenly powerful, very loud shouting classes, which is what the public is not everyone, but just a group of people who care enough to, to yell and scream about something and feel 
as though they ought to have uh, perspectives on every political issue. And as you were saying, turn everything political. So it's, it's a little bit broader than that. Um, actually quite a bit broader than that. So it's, it's definitely worth your time. Not something you've encountered before. The, 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 I'm going to just say a it. game. Uh, I'll leave you on this and we can yeah. um, either punch out or finish up with whatever we're going to do. But a yeah. game for you mm. is think of, um, think of a topic. I uh, think of, um, you know, whatever, uh, you know, if it's knitting, mm-hmm. I know that that's a real one. So I will go from that comic books, mm-hmm. whatever. And then go to Google and type in the yeah. words of the day. Yeah. You know, like white privilege mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. and then whatever, whatever it might be. Appropriation. Yeah. Whatever, you know, yeah, in yeah. auto manufacturing, whatever it is. Yeah. You'll find structural racism. You'll find a thousand stories. Yeah. There's literally nothing it doesn't yeah, touch. Like Jamal, Jamal Bowie has taught us this lesson a long time ago. You can take this template and extend it out forever and ever. Amen. You can even turn it into one of the most sprawling, extensive journalistic endeavors in the history of mankind and make a, a bold assertion like there's no aspect of America that has not been touched by slavery. Yeah. Um, you can you can do this sort of butterfly effect magic very easily. It doesn't mean that it's credible and important. And I want to put a, a, a pin in that for later because at some point I would like to go in on this uh, Jake Silverstein um, response to the opinion editorial that was recently published criticizing the 1619 Project in, in the New York Times. I thought that editorial was actually quite good. And I thought Silverstein's response is... Um, it, it's a bit of gaslighting, it's been a ridiculous sleight of hand um, that just should not be taken seriously. It pretends that the principal objections for critics of the 1619 projects, at least the ones that aren't avowed racist monsters who are just too stupid to understand the truth, is that they're just pedantic fools mm-hmm. who don't understand metaphor. Yes. That's not the problem. That's not the problem. You know it. I think you know it. And if you don't know it, We'll come back to that later. Um, The last thing I would say is I I think just the point that you made is really, really important. This movement and this tendency to throttle people for not being sufficiently um, obedient to the, the emerging norms and fashion is dangerously, dangerously malleable. You can use it for absolutely anything and you will see it used for absolutely anything. The thing that I've seen recently that I think is perhaps most astonishing and disturbing was this new policy that's being contemplated in California, the reopening of counties in response to COVID is going to be subjected to a sort of equity threshold. Mm -hmm. So if a particular county is seeing sort of average case rates and, Mm -hmm. and death rates related to COVID, decline, but particular communities are uniquely affected, say a community that is predominantly Latinx, it's fucking stupid, then that is enough to cause the entire rest of the community to be on some sort of extended lockdown. This is just one place where you will see a manifestation of a policy like this or Yelp instituting a brand new standard by which people can now report companies for their racial bigotry. And one can only imagine the number of fake exaggerated or just sort of tortured assertions of racism that'll be sort of thrown at people. And, And it's not hard to imagine some kind of social credit score based on your compliance with, again, 
like woke fashion. Mm-hmm. There is there's a soft sort of totalitarianism there that's frightening, but the upper bound on just how dark it can get when that is like the pervasive way of dealing with one another in society and in our politics, there isn't one. Imagine the worst possible outcome, the darkish totalitarian hellscape. Imagine it. It is fucking possible. Like, just imagine it. It is possible. I'm not saying it's going there. I'm saying it is possible. And it's what, always, it's always like, possible. the responsibility yeah. that we have as citizens of this country is to be on constant guard against infractions upon our liberties and our freedoms and the values that we actually hold there. Why like and why yes. and why does one have to do that? And why one has to do this it seems fairly obvious. But it's not people tend to just accept that this is part of a totalitarian regime and they tend to, you know, forget the simple reason why there is a reason that there is a political monoculture in Cuba. There's a reason that there was a a, a journalistic and media monoculture in the Soviet Union is that these are people who don't have faith in their own ideas. Mm -hmm. They know that their ideas cannot withstand a lot of scrutiny, particularly when people don't like them. People don't, for instance, when you see people say, you know, let's not have a debate about this. Don't even mention those ideas. Shut them down, right? You can't help but notice that this is the same instinct that totalitarians have when it comes to, you know, media, when it comes to free speech, et cetera. These types of cultures prohibit speech for reasons. Think about what those reasons are and think about the reason you're not allowed to say what you can say that is really b- banal and what is 50% of the population actually believes, but you can't say it in your own company. Why? Why is that? To the game that I just said before, by the mm-hmm. way, I Googled something because I was thinking about hockey yeah. earlier, <laughs> the hockey season. Uh-huh. And uh, how my daughter and I were going to go to a hockey game. And then COVID happened. And she's really excited. She really wants to go to a hockey game. Mm. I don't know why. She's just really excited about it. So I just did the, the, the use that as the example. Yeah. So um, here are the two results that came up. White supremacy rules the NHL. White Canada <laughs> is to blame. My favorite one. This is an academic paper. This is the next one. Oh. An academic paper from the Howard Journal of Communications. Isn't he a good guy? Question mark. Constructions of whiteness in the 2006 Olympic hockey tournament, which, by the way, it shows you that how much these people know about hockey. They call it Olympic hockey tournament. Mm-hmm. I've never heard that phrase. <laughs> Constructions of whiteness in the 2000, just in the 2006 mm. Olympic hockey, quote unquote, tournament. tournament. So then I was thinking, um, uh, listening to this Conan O'Brien podcast last night. Mm-hmm. There's two good ones, by the way. I was driving out here the other day with Willie Nelson. Mm. Willie Nelson, by the way, is just the sweetest guy in the world. Just listen to Conan talking mm-hmm. to Willie. Sounds like a huge white supremacist. He he probably is. I could probably find an article <laughs> about that. But Tom Hanks was on, uh-huh. and he was uh, did a film uh, fairly recently about Mister Rogers. Right? Do you remember this Mister mm-hmm. Rogers uh, neighborhood, which mm-hmm. I'm sure you watched when you were a kid mm-hmm. once in a while? Yeah, all this, the time. This is a tweet from today. Mm-hmm. I, I, this, <laughs> it's always a typo in the first. The first says, "I'm can't, I'm can't, won't." I, I suppose it's I. I can't. I can't, won't speak on Mister Rogers's behalf. Yeah, but the constant attempt by white people to claim that loving and taking care of your neighbor isn't political is completely incorrect, especially when whiteness and capitalism mm. is are 
defined by <laughs> cutthroat competition and aspirations to dominate. Wow. That's a tweet from a, a human being who is <laughs> apparently mentally deranged. But, but that is somebody with a blue check mark. Did they work at a major publication? They have 125,000 followers. They work at a serious publication? Serious. Zoe? Z.T. Sam, Samudzi? Uh-huh. Uh, probably a fascist for saying that wrong. Yeah, whatever. She, her, Moana Webhu, writer, medical sociology, PhD at USSF, uh, Studying, na- that oh my god, research. Fe- what the fuck is this person? I don't know. How the hell did this person get one hundred and twenty four thousand followers by writing fucking nonsense like that? Bots, Russian bots. Yeah, um, it's well. Anyway, this is that's just a couple of examples. Anyway, yeah. So we we've we've done we've done we've uh, done a lot. a lot of damage. We've covered a lot of done terrain. A lot, a lot we, of terrain. We haven't gone as as deep as I would Where's have liked Matt? on some things. We we got to go find Matt, and <laughs> I've got to drive at least an hour and a half back to my current digs in Brooklyn. But uh, some change, some change going to come. Yeah. It was born by, by a river in a little tent. <laughs> you know, like the river, I've been running ever since. It's been a long, long time. But I know change going to come. All right. Well, let's let's go ahead and punch out. I mean, I feel I feel pretty good about this. I feel like we put some some good energy out into the universe. I think we were a little all over the place, but we just had a lot to do. We haven't seen each other in a while. We're a lot to do. This is real. This is real talk. Some doing some shit. It's real talk. All right, we'll do it. We'll do a we'll do a Patreon one um, uh, soon. Right? We'll do it. We'll do it as soon as we can and get something up there. I got a couple of things that I got to throw. Taibe is going to come do it. He says. He says. Yeah. He says he's going to come hang out. Who's going to hang out? Matt. Matt Taibe. Oh, is Matt Matt Tybee's coming yep. out? That'd be good. Yep. That'd be good. Because I have a lot of questions to ask him. The first one is, what does it feel like when I ask anyone who's like kind of a lefty, and I say, oh, I read this Matt Tybee thing, and they're like, oh, gross. <laughs> oh, man, that happened fast. Yeah. You were yeah. just telling me about a squid book. Uh, like, what was it called? The, the luminous, I guess, some squid thing that was killing Wall Street or whatever. But uh, I'll go back and read that. I've never read it. But everyone loved him. No yeah. longer love him. Yeah. What's that like, Matt Taibbi? So we'll, well talk to him. New, new people love him, perhaps. I mean, yeah, I'm, 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 I've been a fan for a while. Even when he's writing stuff I don't like. Yeah. There are people you want to read, whether yes. or not you agree with them. That is There's true. I got about it. Matt Welch and I got drunk with him yeah. in 2016 in one of the debates. We did a thing for Sirius XM and we got wasted and... And he was super fun, and I had like we had a really good time. And I was like, "Yeah, oh, you know, I'm not a, the biggest fan of his stuff. I like some of it. I think he's a good writer. I think he's a funny writer. Yeah, but uh, but I thought he was uh, he was an incredibly nice guy. And we had a good time that night. So. Yeah, so that'll be great to have him on. All right, okay. all right. Well, t- time for you to go home. Uh, be kind to each other. Bye. Eh. Bye. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan horse.